Safe Room Reviews, the podcast where we review video games, films, and sometimes wall art. Sometimes, Daniel. Other times, uh, what, photojournalism for wartime? Photo? No, man, it's wartime photojournalism, okay. the greatest RE engine uh, reusable asset that's been across four, four games so far. And I'm hoping for it to show up in RE8, even though it doesn't make sense. But I digress. Now, today we have a very special episode. I am Kevin. I am Daniel. And we are joined by special guest, Chelsea Hecka Bad. Hello, Chelsea. How are you? I'm great. It's me, Chelsea. There you go. We the got two finest. The, the Blue Bomber is in the house. Are you the Blue Bomber? That's the first one, so I guess I am. There you go. The Blue Bomber. <laughs> Reputation procedure. <laughs> now, guys, I gathered you today for a very special reason. We are going to get to the bottom of why Dr. Disrespect has been banned from twitch now we have a lot of evidence we've been looking through a lot of uh, details uh, a lot of dms Mm -hmm. a lot of printed out and faxed dms and i I feel we're gonna get close to this one daniel shaking it that's not why we're here no that's not why we're here what are we here for we're trying to figure out we're trying to get the the, the root of dr uckman and his evil crimes and why he is as evil as he is dr uckman (laughs) uh today do, do you not remember Dr. Uckman from the hit game, The Last of Us Part Two, Chelsea? I guess I don't. <laughs> did you n- did you not collect any of the cards in the game, Chelsea? No. Uh, did you ignore that part of the game? Did you, did you just like streamline it? Just kind of went from point to point? I mean, I had the cards. I didn't go after every single one. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> well, if you don't know, there is a card in the game that is modeled after um, the oh, director Neil. of the game, Neil Druckmann. Yeah. And he even, like, responded, because, like, there's this weird comment on the card where it's, like, his um his his experiments on people were considered to be, like, too strenuous or something. Mm-hmm. Do, do you remember what the... But it, it just kind of, like, alluded the crunch culture. Mm-hmm. And he had to admit that the person that made those, like, they don't work at the company anymore. He's like, it's unrelated. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's, it's it's a weird one yeah yeah because i saw him the kind of funny um spoiler cast that they did and like greg miller pressed him immediately about the he's like so yeah did you put yourself in the game <laughs> i feel like he, he might not have even caught it and it was probably just somebody who was super disgruntled yeah <laughs> um well chelsea thank you for being here uh we've been trying to get you on the show for a while now to talk about video games because that's something we come together on we wanted to talk about yakuza with you a bunch but this felt appropriate because i know this the series is a the Last of Us, rather, is, is close to you and one that you love. And uh, I know how much you, you love Troy Baker as well. So mm-hmm. I love him so much. Right. What is it uh, particularly him. about Troy Baker that you love? <laughs> is it his hands? It's probably his face. Oh, it's his hands, actually. <laughs> You're oh, right. we changed that one, right? <laughs> yeah. So we got so, reason number one and reason number one A. <laughs> face and hands. I've face touched ten. those hands. You oh. touched it. Th- did he know? He was looking right at me, right in the eyes. We just touched hands. And- Wow. That was it. Wait, did you like hold your hands up? It's like that scene from the uh, arrival <laughs> where she gets in there and puts her hands against the glass. Was that what it was? I wish. I wish it was that romantic. 
<laughs> well, thank you for being here, Chelsea. Today is going to be, well, I don't know. Would you consider it it is a review of The Last of Us Part Two? It's more of like a spoiler kind of discussion than mm-hmm. review. I mean, there's definitely like our impressions and stuff are going to come out of it. But I... Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's like a review spoiler cast because we always like kind of give it a number grade or our overall like yeah. recommendation at the end. And okay. I would All still right. like to we'll, that, we'll live so. up to that. Because yeah. I, I just feel like um, it, it's one of those things that we discussed a little bit before where our impressions are going to evolve over time because there's so much to this game mm-hmm. um, that, you know, even I feel like with the original game, I look back at it and I go like, oh, wow, that's a different, hmm. like I have a different feeling about different components of the story. Although overall, I think it's great, you know? Interesting. For part one, part one is one that I took in kind of in a vacuum uh, the summer it came out. And then I played it immediately after on like hard plus, And I felt the same way about it every time I played it. And even afterwards mm-hmm. when I thought about it, because it left such like a, quick impression that like stayed with me the the same time every way like every beat every main kind of like crazy climactic turn or reveal things like that or the ending and then even like seven years later like playing again and reflecting it so i still feel all the same ways whereas the last of us part two like i beat it tuesday night and then the next day i felt differently about it and then the next day i felt differently and when i picked up again it started like evolving in my hands yeah for for me with the first one it isn't that like i I walk away going like i feel differently about this it's more that i gain more and more appreciation every time Mm -hmm. that i play it where i feel like there's more elements to it where i was like oh wow that was a really deliberate but interesting choice about things and i've been watching like a lot of video breakdowns for the original as well to kind of figure out like where where i stand with the sequel and just little comments about how um there isn't a stealth mode in that game stealth is a tool Mm -hmm. and that's what makes it feel like such a natural flow to everything you do because it isn't like you have to switch your brain just because you're getting to an enemy encounter where it's like oh i should stealth it's like no no no, i could stealth i don't have to like things like that i was like huh but chelsea how yes. where do, where does the original game stand in your in your mind as far as like how you feel about it uh especially over time over time i still think of it as one of the more perfect games i've played just in terms of story and just how I feel about it seven years later and I definitely was one of those people who didn't need the sequel I was perfectly at peace with the ending of that game with it being open and tense and not feeling good and feeling kind of like not great about the ending but I didn't need that sequel but I know there is a sequel because we're going to talk about it but oh (laughs) good thing that this podcast didn't spoil the fact that there's a sequel for you yeah (laughs) just spoiler there's a sequel I made peace with the like the first game. I thought it was completely perfect just as it was. And that's my take on it is that I liked mm-hmm. it the way it was. I felt good about it where it ended. I liked having that open ending and thinking all these different things about what could have happened after that moment at the very it's interesting because it's like any good piece of like literature where like there's a book and they do a mic drop of an ending that is very ambiguous and kind of like open to interpretation for the reader and that's how i feel like the last of us part one was mm-hmm. um i don't think like the left behind dlc gave any other like resolution or thought to where that story could have gone or like you know what was running through ellie's head but after playing this one this is actually part of my like kind of overall first impression of it too is like after playing the sequel it was undeniably needed and the way they set it up was kind of like perfect because it's like 
I, I didn't know I needed the story to be told, but after like playing it, I needed the story. Like mm-hmm. I, I needed these answers, and I, I actually respect the way they decided to continue on with the sequel and the, the focus of it. Yeah, with with part two, I, I think I'm, I'm aligned with both of you guys. Where like my first impression after getting you know through the original game, that kind of ambiguous, very different kind of ending for a AAA video game, um, where it was just kind of very nuanced, soft this is it, but had this emotional pull. I said to myself, this never needs a sequel. Why Why would it? In fact, I would respect the hell out of the, if they just never did anything. But that's not how Sony works. <laughs> and apparently it's <laughs> definitely not how Naughty Dog works. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about a company that did four Uncharted. That's four mainline Uncharted, by the way. Yeah, and then uh, like two other ones. <laughs> right. So, so like, a sequel is inevitable. And I, I guess the biggest question was like, well, how do you continue that story? And I think um, for a lot of people, they had it in their mind that sequels are troublesome because a lot of core audiences want the same thing but different when you when you cut away the fat if you cut away like all of their demands they want the same thing but surprise them with something new i mean that's why we got three uncharted's that were kind of the same thing it was the same game yeah (laughs) essentially and that that's a tough thing to do but like with this game it could have been where you know it could have been just joel and ellie going on a new adventure and i think that would have appeased a lot of more mainstream fans that don't like didn't maybe didn't like take away the the deeper meanings or undertones of what they were trying to set up with the last of us which is it isn't a story about heroes it isn't a triumphant story it's just about people and their actions and how love can take us through it could return our humanity to us and it can also make us commit to inhumane things as well Mm -hmm. like that was the, the nature of that story so part two feels like an honest extension continuation and even kind of um you know what i think about whenever i think about this i think about the watchman tv series oddly mm-hmm. enough where when before it came out people were like what the fuck mm-hmm. we, that's unneeded totally unnecessary you don't need to sequelize the original watchman when it just ad- adapt it again or do something but after watching it my impression was not only was that honest and a mature kind of thoughtful uh sequel to the source material it was also necessary, kind of, kind of echoing what you're saying. It was necessary to be there, and that's amazing for a sequel to well, do. It feels less of a sequel and more of like a companion piece. Yeah, because um, like a sequel can be like you know we're gonna just kind of amp it up, like you know Alien to Aliens, Dead Space One to Dead Space Two, but this doesn't feel like that. It just feels like hey, we 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 move the story kind of of Ellie and Joel four years into the future and then we're going to kind of fill out the colors in between and kind of paint a broader picture of like what happened to their relationship after Joel's decision and everything else and Mm -hmm. I think that's so much more impressive than just kind of doing like a pulpy fiction uh sort of uh sequel you know sort of like a popcorn like sequel i don't know it's i think it's very deliberate what they did and it i think it's super thoughtful and not a lot of it is is perfect i know not a lot of it resonates with everybody in the mainstream and that's okay i think like good media should be challenging you know i don't think it should all be super easy to digest and this is not a game that is easy to digest Uh, everyone's having a very divisive uh response to it and it's i i find it interesting but i also feel that there's there's definitely some undeserved criticisms and there's definitely some criticisms that aren't, that aren't even criticisms of the game more so than people's like own agendas, mm. you know, like, like the gay representation in the game um, and the fact that it subverts like the original story in its own ways. Mm. But I, it's absolutely necessary, right? Because I think it would have been fucking boring to give us, here's Joel and Ellie's adventure too. Like that would have been boring mm-hmm. and that would have been disappointing. And I think Naughty Dog knew that the original was sacred ground and the only way that you can sequelize something that people consider sacred ground is to dismantle it. 
and that was the best way to do it. Yeah. So, guys, I want to I want to give the floor to you before we get into spoilers. I really want to know overall, how do you like this game, and can you recommend it to fans of the original? I mean, I would recommend it to fans. Uh, if they were going to do a sequel, they did it the right way, and they told the story that they were supposed to tell. So, I mm-hmm. do think if you want more of that, what happened after the first one, I recommend it one hundred percent. And it's not going to be fun and it's not going to have like a good warm feeling when you're playing, but it's definitely the story I think that needed to be told and the things that happen in it, I wanted to happen and had to happen. And it's interesting and it does work really well, even though I didn't want a sequel, the sequel that we got is still the one I, I like, I like seeing and I like playing. Mm-hmm. So I do recommend it. How, how would you recommend it on like a, like a gameplay level? Do you think it kind of evolves what the first one did at all? You know, they improved it a little bit. Uh, Naughty Dog gameplay isn't my favorite. It hasn't Mm. ever been my favorite. But this one actually, it was cinematic and it had really good fluidity. Like the shotguns. Mm. Oh my god, the shotguns. (laughs) I'll get into it later. Oh my god, the the shotguns? (laughs) The shotguns are the first time I've ever been grossed out by a weapon in a game. Especially the first time it's used in the game, by the way. Mm. That one disgusted me. (laughs) That one I was like, oh! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, they improved it a little bit. It feels better to play. It has some some improvements, but gameplay, you know, it's, it's okay. It's still it's still not the greatest, but it's that's the toss up about like Naughty Dog games, right? Where it's like people argue that like not a lot happens in those games story wise sometimes, and like the gameplay is kind of like whatever. And I, I'm inclined to agree, but at least they've kind of mildly like you know refined it over the years across <laughs> each installment. Um, so, I mean, this doesn't feel like a game from 2013. Thank God, it feels like a very like weighty, polished, like you know, action stealth horror game. Right. Now it it doesn't feel like um yeah it does doesn't feel like a 2013 yeah. game, but there is this kind of consistent design coda that mm-hmm. Naughty Dog does, and a few developers do this. And actually, funny enough, I think the developers behind Yakuza can relate to this idea of where, yeah, there's a bunch of sequels and different games in their universe, but there's this almost same design architecture mm-hmm. that they know to c- continue to implement. And Naughty Dog has, ever since Uncharted 1, has been doing the same like expansion of the mechanics and games and ideas or you know that have been there with since ps3 mm-hmm. so that that's one thing like if you're walking in there and, and saying to yourself like oh i wonder how much they vary up the gameplay it's like this is not a studio that does like an about face like an insomniac mm-hmm. where they go from making like you know what, what was it ratchet and clank and then suddenly fucking drop spider-man yeah, on you like sunset overdrive yeah. to spider-man to all these other things <laughs> not naughty dog has definitely been like a slow kind of evolution over time of the same mechanics so i i agree with that criticism yeah that that's actually going to be part of my high level impressions with it i i love this game i was super taken by it i could not stop playing it for the the four days that it took me to beat it um every night i just wanted to stay up like until two three in the morning and i did <laughs> i fucking did it was it was wild i felt like it was the summer of overwatch all over again when that game first came out and i couldn't stop but i'll, I'll you know i i think this is a, a great sequel it it feels like more than we we deserve for sixty dollars. Honestly, it feels like two games in one. Not to say too much about it. Um, it feels like a whole season of Game of Thrones. Um, it's got mm. a lot in the overall package that just like is unrelenting. And like you said, it dismantles the first game in a very uh, depth way. And uh, it, I there was no moment from from beat to beat that didn't really like shock me. Even though like some of it feels kind of. Um, standard for like uh survivor stories or like post-apocalyptic stories like Mm. they don't break the mold with the game not do anything like like super crazy in terms of the genre but like just for like a video game it like took me by surprise um my my big gripes with this is 
just what you said that Naughty Dog has been making the same game since like what 2007 basically mm-hmm. like the the it, it pains me because they they do have such a high level of polish and dedication to like the games they make but it all feels super insular where it's like all of the uncharted's up until 4 all just learn from each other like i feel like they didn't really borrow from like other okay. action games and then you know the last of us came out and uncharted 4 kind of borrowed from that a little bit and then this game you know mirrors some of the things that uncharted 4 did with like it's more expansive open worlds and like the rope mechanic and like some of the more actiony stuff but i would have liked to have seen it pull from other maybe genres of other mediums um other stories a bit maybe other games because it's like you know you have the it feels like kind of what red dead does at times with like the attention to detail and like the granularities of the world and um people have been comparing this like metal gear solid 2 with its like narrative flip which is really interesting that (laughs) gamers literally need to do anything but play games yeah literally every other like form of media has done things like this in the past before but when a game does it suddenly we're gonna remember metal gear solid 2 for the next thousand years (laughs) as being as an example of they made me not play as guy i like Yeah, and I think that's that, that's the thing that people were pissed about and why they were kind of review bombing it. Like they got the spoilers, yeah. they kind of saw what happened to like you know a beloved character, and they're like, oh, you don't play as him, you play as Ellie, and they want the bearded man, they want the bearded shoot shoot man back, but like that story's <laughs> gone. Like move on and, and let them tell this new thing, and it, right. it, it's it's cool like that. Um, I just think like even in terms of like a revenge story, it's kind of boilerplate. I don't know, mm-hmm. but otherwise, I, I do love it. I think it's maybe an hour to three hours too long but uh yeah for the most part it's it's pretty pretty good i I like the first one more i'm just gonna say that out front yeah um just because i think that's more of a concise game but this game is like uber important to the first one so all right before before we jump into this i'll I'll tell you my impression of this game because i think um i'm definitely more jived on this title than a lot of people out there and i'm a lot more forgiving of the things that i totally agree are flaws of this game Mm -hmm. i see these flaws and they don't disrupt how I feel about this game. Um, and like, cause I have the same criticisms that you might where it's just like, yeah, this is over long or there's, there's a lot of parts of the game that could have been a, a cut scene instead of making me, you know, walk through mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's parts of the game where it's just two characters walking. And it was like, yeah, that's groundbreaking. Uh, when they first did it in uncharted two, when you show up in that one village mm-hmm. where like, you just take a break from explosions, uh, after like 17 chapters and you're just walking and taking in the scenery. This game does that about 400 times. <laughs> it gets to a point where it's like, all right, Naughty Dog, sometimes you're getting, you're bordering on like um, narratively manipulative because you're trying to like bring me to conclusion with my feelings. And then suddenly you do like the, the complete opposite and say, uh, this is your impression now. You figure out what you want to mm-hmm. do with this story. And it's like, okay. <laughs> like, so I would say that it is far less airtight than the original game as far as the narrative and combination of gameplay and improvisation that you can do with some of like the fights in the game this one feels like it it's a bit messier it definitely is because it's larger and so therefore it foregoes its opportunity to give you a very tight experience because of the choice that it made to have two complete fucking campaigns the last of us part one is a tighter more concise experience that executes its vision like very very beautifully right like it still resonates with us to this day but i'm that kid that likes that subversive weird sequel i'm the one that goes like i like the one that was more complicated and hard to swallow Mm -hmm. and other people are like "Eh, i don't know about that like in fact this game makes a reference to uh uh, one of the films that i feel that way about which is the lost world jurassic park (laughs) 
is my favorite Jurassic Park. And I am like a part of a very, very small, small group of people that enjoy it. You do too. I raised my hand for that. I don't know if Chelsea feels the same, but it had two T-Rexes. It had two so, T-Rexes. Did it have two T-Rexes? It had two. It had oh two yeah, it did, it did, it did. It You're had right. a baby T-Rex. Too, a girl Chelsea. gets eaten by like mini raptors in the beginning of the, of the movie. They Coffee. make references oh, to that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. It's a fantastic film, but it's a darker film. And it's a little more complicated. And it it also happens to star a character that wasn't the main character of the first film, but now they're the protagonist, and their characterization is darker and more morbid than it was in the original. The Lost World Jurassic Park and The Last of Us Part (laughs) 2 are almost the same. True. (laughs) Minus the revenge part. (laughs) But I, I will say, like, I... I'm really, really taken with this game. I'm really impressed about how they present these really complicated ideas about obsession and hatred having repercussions on you where you lose things. It's not it's not just about losing people, it's about losing parts of yourself. That's that's the interesting thing through this journey. It it hurts too. Mm-hmm. This game fucking hurts. And I think it hurt me more than the original, to be honest with you. I, I just think I, I felt more throughout this game. I felt more like, oh my god, I don't want to go through with this. And I, and I had to take a step back and say, wow, I can't believe a video game is, is managing to make me feel these, mm-hmm. these, these emotions, right? Because <laughs> Last of Us Part 1, I wanted to keep on going. Mm-hmm. There were parts in Part 2 where I was like, I need to put the controller down. I, want, I need to go like take a drink or something or, or look at a cat. I don't know. Yeah. I, I need mean, to do some, anything else. This game measures... <laughs> It's hurt in really interesting ways because granted, like, you know, you have the first two, three hours where something major happens that is like the physical hurt, but then they, they do it in subtle ways that it's kind of like stitching the wound and tearing it open and stitching it back up and tearing it open where it's like you do flashbacks that feel nostalgic, but there's still a pain to it because you know where it ends up. Right. And then the the musical theme too of like you're talking about like losing a part of yourself like that one um that one pearl jam song that they use like throughout the entirety of it that like joel teaches to ellie that then she plays throughout the game and it's just like every time you hear it it's just like <laughs> it's painful you know because yeah. it's just it's a, it's a song of mourning and remembrance and it's a, about their bond and uh yeah it's it the the salt on the wound is definitely a little more subtle in this one in a lot of ways yeah (laughs) it's a very slow burn thing in fact i i don't disagree with the comparisons to red dead redemption 2 because Mm -hmm. it is a much more uh methodical slower complicated story that um takes some risks and therefore sacrifices a lot of the things that we like about the original game just to serve a point i think it serves that point beautifully but that's that's my high level like impression of it um i don't know if you wanted to add any anything else more to that chelsea before we like literally roll into some hard hard talk my my problem is that most of my my thoughts are in spoilers so (laughs) i'm good i think (laughs) that's our hall pass buddy well if you guys didn't want to be spoiled fucking run like you're running from clickers and infected and fucking get out of town get get out of here (laughs) that was good (laughs) that's my clicker impression Uh, thank you that was pretty good that was really good yeah 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 all right guys well (laughs) let me start let me just kick it off um, Sad Dad gets his head squashed in like a melon within the first fucking 45 minutes of this game. And it is upset. It is literally split the fucking mantle of the earth for gamers. <laughs> yeah, that's actually probably like one of the most divisive things about it. <laughs> Better than that. His assailant is a protagonist of the video game. You play as them for about 10 
hours in this game. And this is what's hurting people. And for me, I got to tell you, I fucking love it. Now, getting into the granularities, yeah, 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 yeah. There's, a, there's some nuance to it. But essentially, our, here, here's our main players, right? Ellie, uh, four years older. We have Joel. Melonhead. Also four years older. Uh, well, he's, he stopped aging in this game, actually, guys. Uh, Tommy's there, and they're living out in Wyoming. They're living in Jackson, the mm-hmm. town that um, Tommy and his wife kind of, uh, that, you, that you first meet them in the first mm-hmm. game. They've taken over, and in the four years, they have a bunch of people rolling through town and building an actual community. It's, it's crazy. Really it's cool like a, it's a sprawling, like, settlement. Like, the, the opening, like, five minutes where you're kind of riding on horseback with Tommy, and then you enter the city, it's like, wow, they've really, like, made a home for themselves in this crazy world mm-hmm. <laughs> it was special yeah and, th- and i love that that it basically picks up like i would say days after the original game and there's this one scene and i love knowing this that there's this one scene that was written in the game where joel comes in and presents ellie with a guitar mm-hmm. and this becomes like a lot of the symbolism in the game that that song that you're talking about yeah. that he teaches her future he performs days it. yeah future days is what it's called yeah. okay um, that scene was actually a part of a live performance that they did called uh, One Night Live or something mm-hmm. like that, where they performed certain scenes from the game. All the original actors came in and did that on stage. And they, they filmed it, but they didn't film that scene. So Neil Druckmann <laughs> was like, I'm going to write one additional scene. And it ended up being in the game and it ended up being like this kind of catalyst for why he wanted to do part two. Because mm-hmm. they didn't even know what part two was going to be until they got to that scene and goes like, we gotta kill Joel. <laughs> is basically what they they came down to with. I gotta wonder if they always kind of thought like the the sequel would involve the Fireflies in a really integral way, like because you can't just like build the climax of the first game up to that and have like this main pivotal moment where like fucking Joel puts a middle finger to humanity and says fuck y'all, I'm killing fireflies, I'm taking my, you know, surrogate daughter back, and we're not right. curing humanity. Like, like there was <laughs> always going to be a cost yeah. uh, to that action. And I really, like, the people that hate the fact that Joel died over that, I'm just like, he was always going to die because of that. Mm. One way or another, that that karma was coming back for him, because that's how The Last of Us works, right? That's how that world works. I, I like it. There, I don't know if you guys remember, there's a conversation um, when Ellie and Dina... Um, and I want to talk about Dina more, obviously. Uh, but when they first ride into Seattle, they're talking about like the who done it, like who could have killed Joel. Was it was it fucking you know scavengers in Boston? Was it these people? Was it this people? Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of like this scene. This is going to go over a lot of people's heads because nobody got this far in Weeds, but it reminds me of like the penultimate season of Weeds where uh, Nancy Botwin gets shot and everybody's like, who did it? And it's like, well, this person wronged so many people in the course of her life and career. And Joel's that same way where it's like, he might think he's doing good for his people and putting himself out there to survive for the people he loves the most. But in that he is somebody else's villain. Like, and that's kind of the, the overall feel of like all the characters in this world. That's kind of the point. Yeah. Everyone is somebody else's villain. And the point of the game isn't that there is a good guy. Joel's never a good guy. I know. Ellie's not a good person. No, they are just people that are either relatable, likable or not. And their choices that that is it mm. with the last of us and i i think that's what people are having a hard time swallowing with this game because it really cements that idea mm. right where it's like there's no there's no good guy to hang your hat on in this game Ch- chelsea how hard was that scene for you joel's joel's death at the hands yeah. of the wlf the, the golfing scene really fucking hard <laughs> i mean <laughs> i mean just because i'm i'm an emotional player it didn't make me cry but it did the intended feeling that they wanted you to have is that you're really angry and you feel like Ellie you want revenge for Joel no matter what like you can hate Joel but that's still her 
father figure, someone who loved her, someone who took care of her, someone mm-hmm. who saved her. And despite the the big lingering like upsetness between those two, that's still someone she cares about. Like you don't get to pass judgment on him, she gets to. No one else does. So that part killed me as a player. Like killed a lot of players <laughs> I, apparently. I love Joel. I love Joel a lot. I love the first game. Joel's one of my favorite characters ever just because he's so not a good person. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, he's got that soft heart. Mm -hmm. But he deserved it. Yeah, he definitely had it coming. I don't... He had it coming. I don't think he deserved to be tortured as long as he did when when Abby was like, you know, I'm going to make you pay for it and I don't want it to end immediately. I'm going to make it last as long as possible. I didn't like that. I don't think that had to happen and mm-hmm. making Ellie watch, but it had to happen for Ellie to be upset. Mm-hmm. But that for death us as a got me. To feel that, that right. same hate. Yeah, from like I was watching the interview and kind of funny, and they said that they their their goal for that scene was to write a scene that would hurt them because <laughs> Neil Druckmann, yeah. Troy Baker, Ashley Johnson, they love these characters more than anybody, and I don't think that's like disputable at all like if any fan gets upset going like the creators don't love it as much as i do i'm like you're fucking wrong mm-hmm. dude they spent yeah. years they spent six years on this game mm-hmm. six years with these choices knowing what was going to happen mm-hmm. having to do mr x by the way oh yeah which really upset people how there was an there were one of the initial trailers for the game shows joel in a pivotal scene and it made it almost seem like he was going to join you on your adventure no mm-hmm. they did a fucking adventure with uh, <laughs> infinity war to us <laughs> And people are claiming that's false advertising. I'm just like, is that? I mean, Avengers Infinity War did the same thing where it was like, oh, hey, look, normal Hulk is running in uh, Wakanda. And then when you get to the movie, it was like, oh, Hulk's barely in this film. Mm -hmm. And he actually was in the Hulkbuster suit instead. The Rufus lied to us, guys. (laughs) You know what you're talking about. (laughs) Oh, you don't know that at all? Okay. Yeah. There were. Well, actually, I just described all of it, didn't I? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's the same thing where it's like this. Like, um, big AAA is so susceptible to leaks. Uh, hey, take a look. Part mm-hmm. two fucking got majorly leaked like two months before it came out. How much of this got leaked for you guys specifically? Because all I knew was Golf Club. Um, That's all was spoiled for me. Really. I, I would say the pivotal death scenes mm. leaked for me, but I didn't know anything about um, the the uh, Seraphites. I didn't know anything about Yara. I didn't know anything about Lev. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I didn't. Those characters were such a surprise to me that I feel like some of my emotional core or my emotional grounding in Abby's campaign comes from those characters. Mm-hmm. And like, I remember, yeah, they showed like, you know, they were like in the second trailer, but I didn't think yeah. anything of them. Like, I didn't think that they would be pivotal characters at all. I, I kind of thought they would, but I just wasn't sure of their involvement because like yeah. they, they made it almost seem like there was going to be this push towards like, Ellie's mother is in that group of people somehow, or like there's something going on with Ellie's mother, and like that never came up. Oh at yeah, all. never. No, yeah. never. Ellie's mom's dead. So like that was spoiled for me. Joel's death was spoiled. The fact that he plays Abby for a significant portion, although I did not know it would be ten fucking hours. Yep. Um, all of that was spoiled for me. Uh, ev- everything except for the very ending of what happens between Abby and Ellie. That that one was not spoiled for mm. me. What about you, Chelsea? Nothing was spoiled for me. How is that possible? I, I avoided I avoided everything because I just didn't look at replies of anything associated with like Sony mm. or Naughty Dog mm. or anything with the game. No, I, I did, the but then I but I like did see a screenshot of Dina um, with the blood all over her face. So I had I went into the game thinking she was going to die, and she. Mm-hmm. You know, didn't. Yeah, the way the marketing was set up was like everyone was thinking that Dina was the reason why Ellie went on a revenge quest. But 
I think it's so yeah. much more obvious that it's like Joel makes yeah. more sense for the story. Well, that was definitely the misdirect with the marketing too, where it's like you know fucking Joel shows up and he has this hand over her, yeah. her face. It's like, do you think I let you do this alone, kiddo? Yeah. And that but, turns out to be Jesse in the yeah, game. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm I'm actually glad because I think the 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 quest is carried with a lot more weight, knowing that you're trying to avenge Joel um, and actually come to grips with their relationship and you know the healing process that's involved with all of it too rather than somebody she's known for four years and maybe dated for like it seems like three days yeah (laughs) yeah because like you're not only carrying the weight of joel's death you're carrying the weight of your entire journey with joel in the first game like that like as a player you were feeling what ellie feels you're like i went through everything with joel like we fought together we've we, we did the whole firefly thing happened together and now he's just unceremoniously just fucking dead and you got to deal with that. And I'm just like, that's, I'm sorry. Like, I know it's an obvious choice, but I still think it's a brilliant choice mm-hmm. for, for a triple A video game to make, make that. Now I will say, however, it, the revenge story that plays out is not unique. It is, it, we've seen countless films, books, uh, any Coen brothers film mm-hmm. uh, basically does the things that this fucking game does. Right. But mm-hmm. that's all that tells me is that pe- like gamers are so used to a, like a lower, uh, standard for storytelling in video games that when you do something that does challenge them, mm-hmm. they get upset instantly. Because, like, I don't hear this about movies. I don't hear people getting fucking out of, like, control because uh, Tony Stark dies and, mm-hmm. you know? Like, that didn't happen, right? Everyone was like, yeah, yeah, that was good. Like, what? how come in this game that people are so upset about it being a challenging narrative, right? It's it's interesting because, I don't know, like, looking into the whole review bombing situation and, hey, Metacritic, that scores up to, like, 4 point whatever now. 4.5, coming so up. The gamers are turning around on it. But <laughs> I think maybe there was a lot of negative swell before the game happened. There's a lot of issues that people had, bigoted people had with playing as, you know, a female who's gay or there being a trans character in the game or their mm-hmm. gripes with, like, Naughty Dog and their crunch cycles and how they are as a studio and all this and blah, 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 blah. So I feel like that might have, like, been seeded into people's heads ahead of time. But I also think the people who were inclined to hate it were going to hate it anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't think they came in with any way to even out their thoughts on it. Like, no, they still wanted to hate it. So <laughs> that, that's, and that's kind of the shitty thing about it. But, I mean, you're, you're right. This this story of revenge is not unique to media. Um, I've seen a lot of revenge tales. You know, Kill Bill 1 and 2, fucking old boy. So many movies. So many video games, even. Um, but I think the interesting thing that they do do is show you... Do you. Like, do you? <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm a child. <laughs> I'm sorry, Joel. I thought it was funny. Um, but uh, it's it's showing the the, du- the duality of a revenge story because you get Ellie, who is at the beginning of hers, and you see the kind of course of hers. And then in the split narrative, you get Abby, who's actually at the end of hers, who's been chasing her revenge story for four years and gets her resolution in the first two hours of the game. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fascinating to kind of show both sides of a coin with it. Th- thoughts on the... On, so, like, oh, I know you had some gripes with the, the story overall, Chelsea. So, when we initially talked about it, I was still, like, chewing the story in my mind. And I've come to a little bit of a better place with it. I still don't love the midway game switch. I think it it just cuts the, the climax of Ellie's stories in the wrong way for me. Uh, it just takes the sails out of her story. And when you become Ellie again, it just I have to like reimmerse myself. It's like a disengagement, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah, it's a disengagement and I didn't love that. I I don't. But then when I think about Abby's story, which is what I initially had a problem with, and I still kind of do. Uh, I like Abby a lot. I I like that she can 
just choke a clicker. You don't need a shiv. You don't need <laughs> <Yes>. like <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that like pop I with love the neck too. Like at the end, like what grotesque yeah. death animations. By the way, it's so vivid in this game. Yeah, the humans they like look right at you at the screen, and you feel like, oh, thanks for I th- looking I think, at me while I play. <laughs> I think it's a little weird when you're playing as Ellie. If like if you shiv somebody in the right spot, they look at the camera and go, "Please, Kevin, don't do this to me." And I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, yeah. <laughs> think of Clem." They say. <laughs> Just the beginning of of Abby's story, I just I didn't find myself connecting with it at all, and I still haven't changed my mind on that. But mm. towards the middle to the end, I start picking up, and I like Abby, and I get it. They want you to see from her perspective of why she's doing this, why she feels this way, why she's gone completely like on this revenge mission for Joel, and she's thrown away love with a potential lover and weird with her friendships isn't weird is weird with other people like there's a moment with mel in the game that sticks out to me saying that abby's a shitty person she's always been a shitty person and that Mm -hmm. makes me think and i didn't get to see that i guess Uh, i didn't see a lot of why i should care for what abby cares about I care about her dad because her dad's a big guy who loves animals, but I just didn't care about the people surrounding Abby, I guess. Mm-hmm. I ended uh, up caring about Abby, and when she ended up caring about Yara and Lev, I felt better. But Owen, Mel, Manny, other characters I probably can't name right now, uh, I didn't Nora. connect with them, and I didn't really like them. I liked it, Alice. It... Is it because, like, maybe these were the group of people who were responsible for, like, Joel's murder, and then, like, when you have Yara and Lev, it's kind of that similar, like, Joel to Ellie situation, where it's, like, kind of a nurturing parental figure, and you kind of, like, grow to love their bond, and how these people, like, kind of change together? Because that, that's no. kind of what I really like. Okay, it's not even that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know that they're in the room with yeah. Joel, mm-hmm. uh, but I do try to, like, see it from Abby's point of view when I'm playing, like, Am I supposed to like these people? And I know her deal with Owen. I know her deal with Mel and Manny mm. and even her dog. Alice. I... Beautiful Alice. Beautiful Alice. Which is a, which is a crazy thing. Like, you you only kill dogs as Ellie. Because they're oh. WLF dogs. That's so... right. Oh, and, but no, Abby it, fights I, I WLF eventually. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I didn't realize that's why Yara, uh, Yara and um, Lev are afraid of dogs later in the game. Because mm-hmm. they, they're used to the wolves. Uh, attacking them with dogs mm-hmm. i was just like oh <laughs> i love the little nuance and story details but i think naughty dog's always been sublime yeah. with that kind of thing um but i do love like you know when you go back and forth between the i guess i i want to call them campaigns but they're that's all part of the same story but ellie's section versus mm-hmm. abby's section i do love like their arcs yeah. their arcs right where where you, you'll have killed somebody and not thought anything of it in Ellie's section, and they end up being a character that Abby talks to. They have their own motivations. Maybe they just want to play the Vita. Yeah, Whitney the Vita girl, who you <laughs> see in the camp with the Vita, like after the fact, and you're like, "Shit, Ellie's gonna inevitably kill this girl." Right. <laughs> Did you know that they uh, Sony wouldn't let uh, the Vita screen break when it drops? <laughs> yeah, I actually oh, tried really? shooting it. Yeah, you can't even you can't even uh, hurt the screen. I at tried all. shooting it. Yeah, I, I, I shot it too. That was my first thing. I said the switch killed you, <laughs> and then I tried to get it out. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love those things. But I do. Um, I can definitely see why it's like a hard swallow for a buy-in. Where it's like, okay, you want me to play as a character that murdered a beloved character, and that that is uneven ground for I think for any audience. Where it's like, because like your initial thought is, okay, I'm playing as the villain, and the point that Naughty Dog go out, goes out to make, and probably for a lot of people, didn't happen until. 
Abby met up with Yara and Lev that, hey, no one's the villain here. This game literally does not have a villain. It just has warring factions with different perspectives. Mm -hmm. That is the point, right? And I I think um, that's disappointing for some people because they really do want to play a video game and be like, well, if I'm the shoot shooter, (laughs) then I am the hero, (laughs) you know? And that's not this game. And interestingly enough, I really adored Abby as a character. I really love that she was complicated. And I love that more so than being a counterpoint or even like the other side of a coin to Ellie, she was the other side of the coin to Joel. Mm. Uh, to the person that ruined her life because she went on a similar path in a lot of ways where lost her humanity for a while and slowly started to reclaim it, slowly became disillusioned with the world around her and said, there's another way. And by the time you get there, you're reminded like, oh, wait, I, I still have to come to grips with my past sins. I still killed this person's father figure. They're after me mm-hmm. and they're after me viciously, <laughs> you know? And the consequences that Abby, just as, just as Ellie does loses the people around them because of their unique obsessions and it's interesting to see them at different you know pinpoints like you said before Mm -hmm. of where that revenge took them and all it does is take i really like that i really like that misdirect i really liked um going through abby's campaign to the point where i even got to the point where i was just like i don't like ellie very much (laughs) man i don't like her right now Mm -hmm. i love her as a character but I don't like her right now, and I think that's the point. Mm-hmm. And I was okay with that. Whereas I think other people are not okay with that. They're not okay with that concept. <laughs> you know, I think we just spend so much time like uh, over the first game and over the years in between, like humanizing her and loving her as if she were, were our own. And then this mm-hmm. game basically just tears that all down, dehumanizes her, makes her feral, makes her just on this blood-focused quest of revenge. And uh, it's it's almost like it hurts to see somebody you love in that that way, to see them hurt, to see them fumble, to see them make decisions you don't want them to make. To, to want to hold them back like Joel would and be like, don't do that thing. You know, go back to Jackson. <laughs> just stop stop hunting these people and just go back to your life because that was important. And she just does what she does because it's that's the nature of revenge. It's it's all consuming, but it, it's because it comes from love. And it's also complicated because she's also, you know, coming to grips with, with, with what Joel did and, and kind of tying the bow on that and, and kind mm. of trying to forgive him in a way. Um, I, I'm with Chelsea on this where I, I actually, I love the second part of the game. I think parts of it, I actually like more than Ellie's campaign in terms of set pieces and things that you do within it. Um, but I think it did hurt the pacing a bunch. Sure. This is, this is my number two gripe with the game. I only really had, you know, two. And this is that, uh, what was then a 10 hour campaign could have been shaved to like, you know, seven, eight hours. Um, I do love the reveal. I think, you know, it, Naughty Dog always does this thing where there's a mid-game reveal, something crazy happens. Or even with uh, like their last few games, there's like a narrative switch where it's like, in Last of Us Part 1, you play as Ellie at the beginning of the winter section, and you don't expect that coming. Yeah. And then this is like, okay, what are they going to do? And like we already got the taste of playing as Abby, because they make you play as her in the first like 30 minutes, uh, leading up to the moment where like she runs into Joel. And then you're like, oh shit, this is crazy. Am I going to have to kill Joel as Abby? Like, what's going to happen? And then I just never thought that they were going to give me back control of her. And when they did, I was like, oh, this is cool. But, like, what they do is, like, the way the game is staged, like, the first game is staged in seasons. This one is staged in, like, Seattle day one, two, and three. And those days already feel super long. And then with Abby's, it's like, they feel doubly long because, like Chelsea said, you're you're building to this climax with Ellie and Dina and Jesse and... and um. 
and Tommy at the, the theater and you want to see what happens, but they make you wait 10 hours to see what happens. Mm. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And I feel like some of that could have been trimmed down a little bit in terms of more canned animations, maybe gameplay segments and flashbacks that could have just been like cutscenes. Or the one thing is like, don't make me level two characters completely. <laughs> mm. Like I, I love the leveling component, but I think it's, it, it, kind of disrespects the player's time in a lot of ways to make me now have to separately level somebody up in the same faction, same five leveling trees, all this. Like, Abby's a fucking soldier. She's a WLF soldier. She knows guns. She knows how to hunt. She's been training for four years. Give her maybe a max out, like, level tree to start with. You know, make that a little less time-consuming. Um, I'm familiar with that concept in a game. Yakuza 4 and 5 do that to you. <laughs> When they do when they do the character switch, they go, "Hey, remember how you could grapple and do badass things with the last character? <laughs> now you can't. It's all gone. Start over." <laughs> it's so funny to see Naughty Dog do it. Mm-hmm. Well, they almost like flip it too, where it's like you said about Ali, Ellie. She has this like um, renewable knife that you can fucking forever kill clickers forever with. Yeah. And then with uh, with Abby, then you go back to like, okay, well now I gotta um, craft shivs again. Yeah, you know, and that, that those are things are that are interesting for sure. But huh. like, I just I don't know. I maybe maybe not because like again that maybe that, that's why I keep on talking about as them being two different campaigns mm-hmm. where I'm just like no I understood I started over again with a different character and I was I was like okay with that one but I I totally see the gripe where it's like dude I've already been here for twelve hours yep. <laughs> why are you resetting me <laughs> but I mean it, I, it's deliberate everything they do is deliberate and it's actually super a super daring choice they had to have known it was going to be divisive and that players were going to hate it. Uh, especially some of the things you they have to that. do. Yeah. Um, when when Abby's campaign inevitably meets up with Ellie's, and you <laughs> you fucking have to fight Ellie, and she's like this depraved monster who is like using the tool set that you're familiar with her having, like laying traps and using guns that you leveled for her and all this shit, and you have to fight her as a villain. It was so heartbreaking and hard to have to do because mm. you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to kill Ellie. I don't want to fight her like this. And she's a vicious Ooh. fighter. Too. Yeah, <laughs> it's wild. That was so gripping. Yeah. What would you, so Chelsea, like out of like, a, you know, between the character switches and all that, like what were, what were the highlights for you though? Well, I'm going to say like the, the fight where you first fight Ellie and she's like this, awesome fighter it does remind me of yakuza a little bit in um yakuza 4 when you fight kiryu for the first time ever in the game and i was so upset and he was so fucking tough um like it is kind of interesting to finally fight a character like you'd never expect to fight ever like the first last of us you never think you're gonna have to fight ellie um yeah no it, it that, that totally was insane and i think um the last fight too I love the last fight because one, it's cool. It's it's such a cool setup, but it's also the most heartbreaking fight there is. Because mm-hmm. like I did not want to do it. I wanted Abby to like you know to go. Mm-hmm. I wanted Ellie to say like, "What the fuck am I doing?" Right? But she has one little flashback to Joel dying, and she remembers like, "This is why I did all this." And, like, do I continue to chomp on the bit or let it go and live with it forever? That that was one of the harder things where. Abby spares Ellie on numerous occasions when they have Tommy and they have Joel and all they want to do is kill Joel. They let him go. They could have, they could have killed Ellie there too, but she stops Manny or whoever was trying to do it. And when she sees her again in that climactic fucking fight in the theater, again, she spares her. She spares Dina. She walks away. She's like, 
I let you live once, don't waste this. Right. And walks away. And Ellie can't stop chasing it. Like, you get this epilogue where, like, she has a life with, with Dina and, and you know, the uh, child JJ. And it's, mm-hmm. you, this is kind of what you want for her. You want, you know, that simple life for her because she deserves it. And then fucking Tommy shows up and he's like, hey, man, um, I know where this bitch is. Can you maybe go just check her out for me? Because yeah. I got a dumb leg and a, I got one eye. Yeah, she shot me in the head and therefore <laughs> it's real hard to go get revenge for my brother. Yeah, And, and like, it's heartbreaking because like, you know, she's always going to have PTSD. And I know that it probably was even happening off screen that they don't show it all the time in the way that they do for uh, Abby with her mm-hmm. PTSD. And I think that's fascinating, too. Um, but you don't want to you don't want to see her chase her to, to Santa Barbara. You don't want to see her. Like, after she takes her down from, like, the post and the, the pillars where, where Abby's, like, emaciated and, like, had been, like, left up to die for, like, I don't even know how many days, probably. Mm-hmm. You want her to just let them go, but she just fucking puts a knife to Lev and is just like, no, you're gonna fight me. And it's it's hard. It's heartbreaking. By that point, you've already played for, like, 24 hours yeah. <laughs> of this game. And, you know, it's like an immovable force and an unstoppable object. That's that's how they act. Like, they, they're almost, um... It is tough because... There's a lot of characterization and a lot of, like, you know, nuance put into these characters to make them relatable in different aspects. But at the end of the day, they, they are still there to symbolize what happens when... Actually, Neil Druckmann even said the game isn't so much about hate as it is about the dark side of love. Mm-hmm. Where love has brought them to these despicable places in their lives because it's, it's, like, fuel for it, right? And they have to realize that, you know, yes, violence perpetuates violence, but as does mercy mercy is something that can be considered infectious it is hard i think at the end where i think you had said daniel that you just wanted them to talk (laughs) yeah like i i would have loved for them to just sit down on the beach and just talk about it just be like hey because like you don't even get it from uh ellie's perspective as to why abby did what she did Mm -hmm. if if she was just like hey you your your dad killed my dad you your dad killed my dad and he was a firefly and he was a good man and he was supposed to save humanity. I think maybe that would have clicked for Ellie a bit. And like, I would have loved to have seen them gone to, um, where is it? Catalina together? Yeah. Yeah. To find the fireflies and save humanity. I thought that would have been so fucking compelling because like one of the more interesting things about Ellie is she is the cure to humanity. And this game drops (laughs) that ball entirely. They don't talk about it anymore because it, Joel extinguished that fire just by being like, nah, And I wish they would have picked that up in any way. They would have talked about it. They could have reconciled. But I get it. Like, you know, that's not how a a warrior in a beaten journey handles things. Chelsea, were you disappointed that they dropped that, like, thread? Because they referenced it a few times. Like, Dina... Dina kind of figured like figures it out in actually a really cool scene where they're stuck like in a in the middle of spores and Ellie's mask breaks and Dina's like here take half of my mask and we can share and she's like no 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 don't do that rips off her mask and goes look I wasn't lying to you earlier I am immune yeah she tried to tell her and she's like you're fucking fucking with me right exactly because they're you know they're smoking and finger banging that's, that's what happens you don't you don't believe everything you hear when you're smoking anyway but were you were you disappointed by that Chelsea at all I feel like it could have been a explore just the first game did the same kind of reveal with joel where ellie isn't affected by spores and they did it with dina and it's just she's just immune but we don't get to do anything with that it's just joel killed the fireflies and that's it like Mm -hmm. i do wish it was explored or it's some or or talked about or or some solution like they just give up ellie didn't try anything no one else tried anything yeah right it's talked about very briefly when um ellie corners nora 
and they're in the hospital and Nora's like hacking her fucking lungs out because she's breathing in the spores but Ellie has like no mask on and Nora goes to her and she's like you're her and I thought that could have been a cool conversation Mm. to explore a little bit more but again they just do it off air yeah and I noticed the game does make a few um choices like that because again it 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 stops treating its character i don't this is kind of a criticism but at the same time i understand why they do it from like a a writing mechanic standpoint but they stop treating their characters as people and start treating them as basically pawns on the board Mm. right it's like well ellie needs to do this in order to move this uh game in this direction rather than because like in the back of your mind you're like well why wouldn't you be like hey got an immunity i was lied to by joel for a while about the fact that there are other people with immunities and nobody could do anything about it so what are we doing you know and like i I even had half a mind at the end of the game where like maybe abby had said something about like i'm gonna go see the fireflies and ellie be like i thought they're all gone and then like have that be like maybe a catalyst for part three but at the same time there wouldn't there wouldn't have been a closed loop for the point of this story because Mm -hmm. it's not the fucking point yeah i have to think about zombie fiction like what george romero used to day uh, used to do people would always ask so like what made the zombies how do they get there and his answer was always like why do you give a fuck because <laughs> it wasn't the point of his mm-hmm. stories his point was this is just a catalyst so i can tell this type of story so mm-hmm. i can make a commentary on on society so i can do this there my characters aren't looking for a cure they're not going to save mm-hmm. the world because most zombie fiction they're not going to save the world. Yeah, you, you look gotta, at like the Walking Dead, and it's that same thing actually, yeah. where it's like the zombies are just kind of like a set piece, and it's more about like the character drama, exactly, and how the people react in the world. And I think that's always one of the more fascinating things about The Last of Us, the way it tells its survivor stories, how this apocalypse has changed people, mm-hmm. how the different factions have been born, or the fact that people have been born in this world in quarantine zones and don't know anything else. Um, it's just like yeah these characters are not looking for a cure they're not fucking writing in their their uncharted four notebooks about it like okay how do i find a chemist who can help make this a no they're not doing that shit because they're 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 motivated on base motivations because that's kind of what this world has turned them to endure and survive exactly (laughs) so i i want to again i want to talk about like some standout stuff in the game like we we kind of covered like the gameplay a bit and it's i have some nice give it to me (laughs) okay Mm -hmm. so i mentioned it Earlier, this is the very first video ever where I was cautious about using my shotgun because it's so grotesque and the way that people get obliterated by your shotgun (laughs) was so realistic that I was like, maybe I'll just save my shotgun (laughs) ammo for uh, when I really need it. It's Which, not even like when you shoot them in the head too, like when you shoot them in the legs or the hand, like the way they react to anything shots is so cool. Anything. Yeah. And they're uh, you shoot them in the leg and they're screaming. And I'm like, <laughs> I have to rethink how I use this gun. But the clickers and the shamblers and the bloaters, the sound design was so improved over the first game. Mm-hmm. And I had to play with a headset this time because my PS4 was trying to take off as a jet engine. <laughs> So I had a headset on, and that's the way to play. <laughs> like, yeah, I think, I think so, too. You hear them from behind you, in front of you, from the side of you, and that just gross, guttural, clicker sound was just amplified. And I, that was my favorite part of the whole game, was just like that sound design and like the <laughs> enemy design, even. Can we talk about the fact that, unlike the first one, this game actually has boss fights? Yes, thank you. Oh my god. Because <laughs> That is my favorite so moment. Oh my the, god. the Resident Evil type boss fight in the garage. Uh, th- this is why I love part of Abby's campaign even more. It's like you go into like this. Seattle is basically ground zero. 
And this is like where the, the kind of like, you know, cases of infected started and people died in that first hospital where they were treating the first, you know, patient zeros. And you come across this infected that is like this bloater plus it has like, like other infected, like melded into it. Was it was like some fucking Clive Barker, <laughs> yeah. like m- melted fucking abomination. <laughs> and it was running around. It's got like legs kicking out of it of just like a clicker that's stuck on them. <laughs> and, and it the, buds off and fights you yeah, as well. It buds off and fights you. So- Good. It's the most disgusting thing, and I, I remember playing that sequence. Like it's in the hospital garage, right? Yeah. Like actually, you fall through the hospital because this thing like breaks through several. First of all, the level design. I really love the level design. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like there was um, a very manufactured flow to the original, while still good because it was super detailed. This one actually feels like oh, I'm in an actual building, not just a building that was meant for me to go find whatever yellow sticker there was to climb up to a ledge. Like mm-hmm. no, it actually is there. There was parts of the levels where I was like, this is here because that was that is what Seattle architecture would look like, not because it's serving like the purpose of gameplay. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was cool, right? But it it did lead to instances of meandering. But like that garage, this garage is so real and so awesome. And you're you're getting in this boss fight where again, I always talk about this on this show. <laughs> A boss fight is good when it doesn't introduce new mechanics. It mm. builds upon everything that you've been doing up until then. So not Resident Evil games. And that fight does... Yeah. <laughs> Resident Evil fucking falls falls on its ass on some of that where it's like, Hey, by the way, shoot these orbs. I'm like, you, there's no enemy in the game with orbs, you assholes. <laughs> this, this game was like, no, 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 no. We taught you how to dodge. We taught you how to shoot. We taught you how to craft. Good luck, good night. <laughs> and it's so good, that fight. I looked at that one fight and said, I wish every Resident Evil game was like this for the entirety. Really? Of its, yeah, I was you just think this like, is better than like the like the Birkin fight or like yeah. the, the later Tyrant fights? The, the fact that that hospital scene sticks out in everyone's memory, mm-hmm. like whether if you fucking thought this game was dog shit or you want to beat up Neil Druckmann, I, would don't, I don't know why, he's got a mm-hmm. magnificent beard. Everyone points to that, that part going like, that was awesome. And I'm just like, yeah. Yeah, there's something to it. You need to figure out how to make a fucking game out of that, man. That, that was that was really really cool, and even like the fact that there was kind of more than one boss fight as a whole. Like we already talked about the the two Abby and Ellie fights. I was I was a little kind of daunted with the enemy variations at first because it's like okay, like you're not really fighting a lot of people at first. It's like your standard shamblers and and clickers, and I'm like okay, we got bloaters, we got like a variation of a bloater, but it felt more the same until they introduced that. And then actually until they introduce like the the faction of, of the Seraphites and how they approach like the battlefield. So I do like that there are different factions and enemy types. It it impressed me, actually. <laughs> I just want to point out something. None of us say scars because we think it's uh derogatory. I yeah, love that. I stand with Lev. Because yeah, me too. <laughs> because cause they point that out going like, why are you calling us scars? <laughs> it's pretty good. I'll, I'll go with actually one of my favorite things about this game, and it's it's the setting. Um, I love Seattle in this game, and it's not just because I'm from Washington and I love Seattle as it is. I think they did an immaculate job at making a 10-mile radius feel like 100 different places. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Whether you're in Pioneer Square, like crouching in this red hue and this thicket against the, the, the Seraphites, or you're in the hospital, or you're in a boat on the marina, or you're fucking like near the Ferris wheel. Or even, like, the later part where you fucking... You go to an island, and it really confused me because I'm like, what island are they going to that the Space Needle is in? And that makes no sense. I was like, are they going to Bainbridge? Are they going to this other one? And it's like, no, the city just flooded so much that that area around the Space Needle became an island. And that was such a fucking interesting, like, environmental storytelling set piece that they had kind of put there. So I'm floored with, like, how they flesh.
fleshed out Seattle. Yeah, I was I was streaming <laughs> the game here and there, not like, and somebody got in the chat and was just like, "Uh, I don't think grass would grow in concrete like that." And somebody was like, "No, no, no." They mentioned a few times in the game that uh, that they bombed Seattle over and over to stop mm-hmm. the cl- the clicker spread, and that actually allowed the sediment and like you know the the grass to overtake through these, this broken asphalt, and therefore it just overtook the city in twenty five years, mm-hmm. right? Like that's what would happen. I I I was like, okay, there was a lot of detail, a lot of love in this fucking mm-hmm. game. Chelsea, did did you walk around uh, downtown Seattle and say to yourself, that's where Pax is? <laughs> was it was it um, familiar to you? It's familiar to me because I have been to PAX once, and when I got there, I went, oh, hey, <laughs> I've been there. And it's like every other <laughs> fucking video game where San Francisco is the setting, and I'm like, <laughs> Golden Gate Bridge. So, <laughs> like, I felt that. Like, I recognize the area. I've been to Seattle, I don't know, like, once or twice. I, l- I love so... that they couldn't name anything, like, the mm-hmm. same. Like, the uh, Washington Convention Center is the Seattle Conference Center. When you get there, they took out the Cheesecake oh. Factory, too. They did. Every okay. Starbucks is like a Kona coffee. Yeah, Kona coffee? Or something. Is that what it is? It's yeah. something ridiculous. See, I didn't notice that part. But... Oh, oh, we knew. We mm-hmm. saw. Well, Actually, I know. You live there. <laughs> yeah, they, they had uh, Capitol Hill. They had Pioneer Square. They had all that shit. The the Capitol Hill, like, the little flags, like, in the shops, like, the, you know, yeah. the trans and, like, LBGTQA flags. And then, like, the, the chalk uh, painting on the sidewalk, which would be gone. The crosswalk. Yeah. On the, oh, on yeah. The it would totally be gone. Would be gone, like, 35 years later. But I think yeah. it's still, like, kind of cool that it's there because that's sure. what Cap Hill is about. I, I don't think I've played too many games, like, set in cities that I've been from. Uh, definitely pass through like you know Atlanta, PA, places like that, but never like a never like this, you know. Was it cool for you guys living there, seeing all that? I think it was cool. It was a little yeah. eerie in some parts, right? Because yeah. it's like it's all demolished and completely overgrown. When I think of the one part that was super eerie is the Pioneer Square part, yeah. where Ellie first encounters the the scars and uh, she gets shot, and you're like crawling through like it seems like a jungle like this like kind of red hued jungle and it's so fucking mm-hmm. it's different to see that area like that but they they did a great job realizing it i, I gotta say right like yeah. as opposed to infamous second son where i was like i don't think you've ever seen a city in your lives uh <laughs> this game i was like oh y'all have been to seattle you've definitely been to seattle mm-hmm. so that was pretty cool to see i was gonna say the pioneer park is lost on me because i've never been there so i don't actually oh, that's true. i don't have that cool moment i don't like think we you ever guys had to Pioneer Square when she came out of here. It's in between like the downtown area where like the Starbucks corporate building is and then kind of like the start of like like the China district and like downtown. So it's it's in that midpoint. Um it's kind of where old Seattle is, basically. Old Seattle. So I'm a little sad they didn't uh put the Seattle underground in the game. <laughs> I guess maybe it collapsed at that point. Yeah, why couldn't we uh <laughs> explore the underground sex networks of the the right. Seattle underground? <laughs> right, you can go on a tour and that's a real thing that you could you could do and they it, so the sex tour is also the same as the ghost tour. Yeah. They go to the same places, but you know, they just mention the prostitutes a little bit less. <laughs> <laughs> and there's alcohol. Yeah, or or the prostitutes become ghosts. <laughs> We're not even joking, Chelsea. Yeah. That that's literally a tour that they do and then they take there's you back a sex up tour? to the bar. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because um, <laughs> old Seattle well used to be the foundation, the backbone of old Seattle was all of these little um, call houses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because it was a big like port city and like a lot of people would just kind of come in and out and like, you know, sleep with women and sex workers and whoever and, you know, kind of get their jollies off and then fucking hit the port and go to a different place, you know? Yeah, and then one time a, a giant like uh, mudslide basically mm-hmm. covered up the city. 
and you that's why there <laughs> yeah there's a bunch of like buildings and like tunnels and stuff underground that used to be you know buildings above ground and i was like oh that would have been really cool to like kind of explore that but, i mean i yeah. guess you go through some tunnels but maybe i didn't think like that that could have been part of old I, seattle i think it's all just like parking garages yeah, that fell into the fucking ocean <laughs> yeah. at that point but it's, it's really cool but they, they they got it pretty goddamn accurate mm-hmm. right so that i'll say that um and i i do i do appreciate that again we're only learning from other naughty dog games but i do appreciate that like uh what uncharted lost legacy did with kind of its its more open approach to um to the world not quite open world but it's a world that's open is the best way that i can put it Mm -hmm. uh i i like that scene where you're with uh dina and ellie going around on on shimmer the horse r.i.p my friend and going around and exploring stuff that's totally optional and there's this one part where you go to a music store. Oh. That is completely optional. Yeah. Like that the story doesn't take you there, but if you don't if you miss this, you done fucked up. You done fucked <laughs> up because Ellie grabs a guitar in a guitar mini game that you would not believe is so in-depth. Have we not talked about the guitar mini game yet? Yeah. Holy shit, it's so good. <laughs> right. And plays uh, plays Take On Me. Yeah. Right? Well, she starts playing like an original song and then Dina just comes in and she's like, "All right, I'm going to play this song instead." And it's just it's so interesting because you know that's something that Joel probably taught her. Yeah. Um, and it's just so sad and sweet. I don't know. I loved it. It's such a good scene. It's it's romantic, too. That's the thing. It's like, this this video game is romantic. Well, that's that's the, the main thing. And I don't know if you guys both kind of agree with this, where, like, there's... Yeah, it's 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 about hate. This is a game about, about revenge. It's about the dark side of love. But for a game that is about all those things, it has so much heart and humor and sentiment. And um, it isn't one note, which I was worried about. I was worried about it just being kill, 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 but it's just like, no, they humanize these people. They build relationships, especially with a new character like like Dina, like having her be your companion and see how they kind of pit for Pat. And like the way Dina jokes with Ellie and, and her Ellie way where it's like, um, what does she say to her? She's like, oh, um, hey, I think Shimmer's getting sick. He's feeling a little hoarse. And it's just like that stupid little pun that Ellie would do. Mm. And like their, their pit for fat is just really warm and, and nice. And it's what we would have gotten from her with with Ellie rather with Joel. And uh, there, there's a lot of stuff like that. I mean, um, I don't know if you guys want to talk about some of the best parts, the flashbacks of the games. That's How'd you feel my about favorite the part of the game. There yeah. we go. There it is. What was your favorite one? It's definitely the... Uh... The museum part the museum where horse. Joel, one Joel's learning is teaching her how to swim. Thank you. Oh my god. What? I wanted to talk about that so bad. Like he's getting is... overly excited. Yeah, I love the fact that she oh. he also has a lot of coffee <laughs> running through him. Like he's sounded like he was crying. Right no, this that's just joy. But yeah, yeah. go on. <laughs> that is the best moment in the game for me. Is like just just experiencing the writing of that part is my favorite part. Gameplay, it's the Resident Evil weird giant. <laughs> body part thing but that flashback tells me so much about just what happened just just the little nice moment with joel and ellie is what i wanted from the game just once and i got that i just love that whole part because he's doing so much to make her happy like Mm -hmm. she loves space and he does this thing with space and the dinosaurs (laughs) and it's just such a nice moment that with a with a father figure that i can't i it's it hits hard for me like emotionally because like i don't get that in my real life same so dad moments i give you plenty of dad moments (laughs) i'd I'd like to contest that (laughs) (laughs) 
And it's um, on her birthday too, which I think her is birthday. really great. Big surprise. Oh, I was so excited to see a T-Rex in this video game. <laughs> the next Naughty Dog game needs to have just like just dinosaurs. That'd be great. Um I I love that moment. I do appreciate these very sentimental moments they they go back to the kind of you know, you know it's funny it's um the original game doesn't really use that as a framing device. Everything happens in in the real time, mm-hmm. right? But Left Behind does uses a flashback as a framing device. Mm-hmm. This whole game is like an expanded left behind in a lot of ways, even mm-hmm. down to like the fun little, you remember um, Riley and Ellie doing the squirt uh, gun fight. Yeah. I mean, you have a snowball fight. You have another ridiculous moment with Abby. Like you have all those little mini games like sprinkled mm-hmm. throughout where it's like, here's some levity that needs to be brought to this game about two women that want to cut each other uh, <laughs> at the throat, <laughs> you know, that I really enjoyed. Some of them get a little long in the tooth. And I think especially with Abby, mm-hmm. like, first of all, I'm going to say right now, Abby, Abby's, uh, Abby's dude. I, I want to call him Travis. It's Owen. I don't give a <laughs> fuck about Owen. I think Owen's just so, so yes. lame duck, like just a nothing <laughs> character, which is surprising because it's the dude from almost famous Patrick mm-hmm. uh, Fugit. Or fuck it. <laughs> uh, and he's playing the character. And I was surprised. I was like, oh, what's he been up to these days? Mm. Um, and I don't know. Like, I just, that shit didn't land. The Owen stuff didn't land for me at all. Weird. Yeah, no. I and the, I feel like we spent 30% of the fucking game in the aquarium. We kept like, going back to the <laughs> aquarium going like, it's so important to Abby. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, mm. I got you. But like, you really did it on, on the single go. I understood that it was important. <laughs> you didn't need to keep mm-hmm. on going back. Although I did like going back when it was like, shit's going wrong. Yeah. You know, I, I, I like that juxtaposition. But there probably is an hour in Abby's campaign that's mm-hmm. just like, guys, now you're just really feeling yourselves. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we can get to the point on some of this. Because pacing is this game's enemy. But at the same time, the slow burn is very good. It lets you ruminate mm-hmm. throughout like a lot of scenes. But it, it definitely some of the sentimental stuff worked better like when it was ellie's perspective than Mm -hmm. it was abby's is kind of my complaint about that i i felt more i don't know yeah the the wolves that whole group of people that um abby and owen ride with like i don't feel much for any of them really except owen because i think it's just the way they kind of paint her and um her and owen's relationship especially from like the fact that like the first flashback you get with abby is with her dad and like they're just kind of walking it's before she's with the wolves it's you know before all that shit happened in salt lake city and he saves a a zebra from like a barbed wire and owen shows up and they just he kind of plays with her like a dad would he's like oh so i hear you have a crush on him and like all this stuff and it's (laughs) you kind of see like the fact that they've been together throughout this whole journey of her like wanting revenge and i think their dynamic works for me more than any of the other ones like uh yeah fucking kill all of them kill nora kill manny kill mel i don't care first of all that nora chase scene was amazing yeah that was really good. chasing that nora was awesome mm-hmm. <laughs> fucking let me tell you other video games that do chase sequences do it exactly what this game did mm-hmm. because it was actually exciting like that one at the beginning of the game when you're running away from um clickers and infected with abby in the snow mm-hmm. before you meet up with joel was really good because like the way it was designed you you felt like you could make a wrong choice rather mm-hmm. than it be super linear what did you guys think about the pivotal scene um, where Ellie goes back to Salt Lake City and she finds out what happened after the Firefly yeah. incident? And she, she gets the recorder and Joel shows up and they actually like address it, the thing that we've been waiting like for years to kind of like talk about. I mean, just judging from the, the beginning of the game and, and Ellie and Joel already being at odds, I knew that she knew. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like it was pretty obvious she found out and like maybe it was a secret. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I liked it. I I liked it because Joel did a bad thing 
he took agency away from Ellie, and Ellie had very clearly made it like, if something can happen and I can be help of help to anyone to make a cure because I'm immune, I want to do it. I want my life to mean something. He took that away from her because he cared so much about her. Like, that scene was tough, and it hit really hard, but I liked it. I liked mm-hmm. all of the flashbacks with Joel. They were all really meaningful, yeah. and they hit really hard. I, I think they put a lot of care into those parts because mm-hmm. I knew yeah. how important Joel was, not just to Ellie, but to players. And I think they handled them very well. And I, I agree, Chelsea. Like, I immediately thought, I was like, I think people level the criticism that that Ellie's very unlike how she is in the first game. Because, like, remember, she was spunky. She was sarcastic. She was making puns and stuff. And she's not that. In fact, she acts like Joel throughout mm-hmm. most of this game. And I knew the reason, the only reason could be was, oh, she found out what happened that night. Mm-hmm. She knew what happened in that hospital. And she found it out either, well, a bad way or a good way, Joel yeah. actually told her. It was a little bit of both, which I liked. Yeah. Like, she she always had that suspicion, mm-hmm. but was willing to forgive it because he loved her so much, tried so hard for her, mm-hmm. and then found out, you know? I like the conversation they have that's a very real one where she's like, tell me the truth or I walk. And it, or if you tell me the truth, no matter what it is, no matter how bad, I'll go back to Jackson with you. I might hate the answer, but I'll go back. And Joel doubles down on it. I don't know if it's there or when they're back in Jackson at a different flashback point, but he's like, um, if I had the choice to do it again, I would do it again. And mm-hmm. I would do it yeah, again. That's the very end. Um, that's like it, the, the big reason. <laughs> yeah. And I love that. Like, I, I love Joel's doubling down on it. Um, I don't know if a lot, I mean, I, I don't know. I do know a lot of what he did is, is because he lost, you know, Sarah in the first game. And this is his daughter figure. This is somebody who he cared about. And whether or not she started as weird smugglers cargo in the first game and then became something more, that doesn't matter because like he loves the fuck out of that girl. And he, he values her life more than the rest of humanity. And there's something like, it is selfish, but I, I love the sentiment. There's so, there's something so real and honest about that portrayal. And, And that's why I also thought like, you know, some of the bad choices that occur through this game from the character's lens also make sense because they're mm-hmm. honest and real choices that they would make. But again, like I said, some of it is a little artificial where mm-hmm. it's like, why didn't they just sit down and talk to each other? Because it's like, oh, because they are symbolizing hatred, not that they're actual characters. And then mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, you need to, you can't bob and weave between that, <laughs> right? Like they, Abby and Ellie totally would have fucking said something to each other, right? Mm-hmm. You know, just one line to be like, hey, what the fuck is this all about? <laughs> you know, something, 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 something. But, you know, I get it. It is to serve the narrative. It's it's supposed to serve like the, the, the wide swaths of it. What fucks me up is <laughs> the very first like hour or two of the game where they come across Abby and co. Uh, Joel and Tommy, that is. When they introduce themselves, they give over their last names, their first and last names. It's like, that seems like such a weird thing to do. And that, that actually like bothers me. Mm. Like in this world where like, you don't know the intentions of somebody else. Why would you give yourself over in such an honest way? Uh, <laughs> well, well, what's the power in a name, though, when, like, there's no social media, there's entire portions of society that'll never meet other portions? Like, they, no one knew about the scars in Jacksonville. No. Or Jackson, I should say. No, but you just look at how other media handles it, and it's literally, like, a lot of characters, when they meet new people, they lie yeah. about their locations, they lie about their names, they lie about the number of people, and they're just like, hey, we're just down the hill. Oh, it's they do that the fucking game. village. Yeah, you're right. There's all these people, and it just, like, it makes no sense. Right. But, okay. Yeah, I remember uh, Neil Druckmann actually, like, spoke to that, 
And he was like, well, they let their guard down because they've been doing it for years and that was a safe community. And like they're used to people coming in and out of that, right? Mm-hmm. Like they didn't do the walking dead test where they were just like, how many have you killed and how many will you kill? Like they don't do that shit mm-hmm. there. Jackson's a different place, but um, <laughs> Troy Baker's perspective on it was during that scene when he got his fucking kneecap blasted off in the most grotesque fashion and I'll never be able to sleep because of it. Uh, <laughs> he he had this moment where he looked up at Abby and he was like, this is what you get. This is absolutely what you, what you get when you drop your guard. Mm-hmm. Like his sins were always going to come back to him, right? But mm-hmm. he was happy letting his guard down. He was finally with uh, his daughter, basically, mm-hmm. and in Ellie. And he was a part of a community again after being so alone for such a long time is the impression that I got from the first game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. It's like, yeah, it's a moment of like a lapse of logic where mm-hmm. it's like, well, who the fuck is this person? They have a gun. <laughs> you know, like, do you trust a stranger like mm-hmm. that? Yeah, you're you're in the 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 minority. You're in a yeah. group of like eight people and there's only two of you. I just, I don't know. It does, it does make me wonder, like, has Jackson not had problems? Like, do they not run into hunters? Do they not run into situations like that? It sounds where... like they had it down. Yeah, because right. they talk about like their With all those outposts. Yeah, the routes and the outposts, gotcha. which is interesting. Well, I mean, again, inciting incident had to be Joel died, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, would you prefer like Abby is like, hey, hang on, Mr. Miller takes out a picture. <laughs> oh, that's the motherfucker, <laughs> you know, and then goes after him. I mean, I, I guess it adds kind of like an overall suspense to like who she is and like right. the why of it, um, and you get that payoff like halfway through the game. But, you know, I think in Joel's eyes, he kind of addresses it in the way where he's like, whatever speech you have, go ahead and just do what you're going to do. And I think like Chelsea mentioned that like he's kind of softened over time. And I feel like also they softened his shoulders. Did you see that? Soft soy shoulders. Soft soy boy's shoulders. But I I feel like he was just part of me feels like he was ready. Like he was just ready to go. I don't know. It's kind of sad, but. Isn't it? But that's that world, right? Yeah. You know, there's no, that Joel's not a good guy. Mm-mm. Like, I, I have to repeat it to people. It's like, Joel's not a good guy. I know they put him on the cover of t-shirts. <laughs> I know they sell little action figures that you can put on your fucking shelf. But Joel is not a good person because, well, you don't get to live and be a good person in The Last of Us. Mm. That That is the point of that series, right? It's just about... <laughs> you really relieve pressure where you can. You make a good choice where you can. You do things like helping Lev, you know, or, mm-hmm. or Yara. Like, Yara... That whole thing was such a beautiful segment. Honestly, when they show up, like, I think maybe that's why I have fucking uh, glass bottle vision for Abby's campaign where, like, I'm hearing from you guys where it's like, eh, it wasn't that great or the pacing was off. It was like when they met up and her mission was to help Yara because her arm was fucking like hammered and red and shattered bones and stuff. And I was just like, yo, this... I'm on board with this a thousand percent. I was like really feeling like, yep, it's time to actually lean into this empathy and fuck the wolves, fuck the Seraphites. It's Mm -hmm. about doing the right thing. And I was like, wow. And then meanwhile, in the background, Ellie is fucking stabbing pregnant women, (laughs) you know? And that really flipped it for me as well, (laughs) where I was just like, I don't know if I like Ellie anymore, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if I agree with her, uh, where she's going, right? But then again, nobody's had the discourse to de-escalate any of that right mm-hmm. like they literally people go they fucking chest out the moment that they see each other in this game it's like wait who is that <gasps> fucking knives <laughs> you know like that's that world is, is what i realized but yeah i did change my mind on abby in general like the first two three four hours where you're just wlf where you're with mel and manny doing random things for that settlement i didn't connect i didn't like it i wasn't into it but when you meet Yara and Lev and 
and you give Abby this kind of like warmth, I did end up really getting into it and really liking it, going to the hospital to get medicine and supplies, uh, going back for Yara because you were worried about her, going to the island to save Lev, like all that stuff is really great. And I really, really liked it. And I did connect there. But yeah, that first part, I just, you're not going to get me to care about Mel and Owen and Nora Mm -hmm. and the, just the, the faction of the wolves, like uh, even Isaac, like Isaac, like is a weird thing to think about. Like he, you think he's going to be the big bad for a second and then Mm -hmm. you see him one more time and he's gone. And I'm like, okay. Which is crazy because they got Jeffrey Wright to play the guy from Westworld. There's two Westworld alumni, by the the way. Shannon Woodward plays uh, Dina. Mm -hmm. And she is Elsie, like the command center uh, Mm -hmm. chick in Westworld. And she was great. Well, Haley Gross also wrote for Westworld. That is true. Yeah, so the script is is both co-written by Neil Druckmann and Haley Gross. Let me ask you, like, what what do you think would have, like, improved that in your mind? Like, is it... Is it just like you just can't get on board because literally the game starts with all of those characters standing around? Uh, let's let's get ready to golf. <laughs> like what, what would have done? It? It's it's so weird because like even being mad that they they went after Joel, I knew why they did it. I knew from the from pretty early on that they were like at least some of them were ex Fireflies or at least hmm. some sort of connection. Like that was the only way that I thought this was going to happen was that they were connected to the firefly incident so that it's not so much that they did the big bad to joel it's just i didn't have a previous game to care about them and you're not going to get me to care about them in less than 10 hours uh mm. and also you do go through ellie's part and you take care of them so you kind of are not surprised and i don't feel anything when i go oh so they're they're dead now as as abby and okay like i didn't really like owen i i told this to daniel and i think there's like one improvement that could have happened to like the kind of order of operations uh which is when you go through ellie's part it basically um ends at the aquarium where she ends up killing mel and owen who cares about owen but oh you know (laughs) and alice i gotta say and alice and alice like if you have to care about anybody's death chelsea you play catch with that dog that's true Oh, I have stuff to say about the dogs. Right. It's true. But Okay, I have notes for the dogs. <laughs> Understood. Yeah, we should get into that too. Uh some of the cuz I think there are some improvements to the combat that makes it feel flawless. But let me say this. So, I feel like it should have her portion in that part of the game. I don't want to know what Ellie did in the aquarium. I don't want like mm-hmm. Tommy and Jesse to show up and then then they go to the theater and then Abby shows up and kills because it felt justified. Even even after I was just like, Ellie, you done did it. Yeah, that's what you fucking get. Like, that's what happens. I would rather it have been a mystery and then we can feel like the revulsion of Abby shows up in the theater going like, you know, saying whatever. But we didn't see it. We don't really know what happened. Right. And then we have Jesse dies and then it cliffhangs and then we start with Abby up. And I wanted to have that that realization in the same way that Abby did when she shows up at the aquarium and sees their dead bodies and go like, look, look, <laughs> look what my quest is, has gotten the people that I cared about most in my life. And then coalesce the stories again. I feel like that would have been just one slight little change in order of operations. that would have made you feel like a little differently about stuff mm. or at least added an air of mystery where like, hey, I'm excited to figure out what happens with Ellie again, you know, but it doesn't do that. It, it just kind of like resolves it. And you're like, that sucked. Oh, I'm playing as someone new. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, that's how I did it. 
You know, and something I've noticed, and it was just me playing, but I like to see how the violence is, like, initiated. But a lot of the times, so Ellie's going after these people because she wants to find out where Abby is. So when she goes for Nora, first of all, she doesn't kill her outright. She just wants information. And it's Nora's actions that led to Ellie doing what she did. And, and she just wanted answers. Like, if you give me, if you talk, I might let you go. I don't know if Ellie would still kill her. She might have. But the fact that she gave the choice. And it, same thing with Mel and Owen. She said, where's Abby? Uh, tell me the information. She didn't outright kill him until they tried to go for her. So. Yeah, she- she tried to do like the Joel thing on them where it's like, yeah. Hey, I'm going to give you a map. You both point to the same spot. Mm-hmm. And, and if it's, if it's right, I'll let you guys go. But then it gets like fucking topsy turvy real fast. Right. Cause she's not Joel. Yeah, exactly. She, she fucked that one up basically. Yeah. yeah. Huge fuck up on that one. And it makes you question. We're just like, Ooh, <laughs> mm-hmm. that wasn't a smooth landing there. Ellie, you know, um, the, the immovable things that happen that whether or not we want them to happen that inform the rest like that those are the things that i appreciate about the game even if even if like you play through the story and go like i hate it that that happened Mm -hmm. it's like well i feel like it deliberately happened so you would hate it so you would feel conflicted about it that's what this game goes out of its way to make you feel conflicted and i think that's a hard thing where people aren't like they don't appreciate it because they feel like they're being manipulated throughout the story to feel one way or another i don't know i didn't feel that at all i I didn't feel manipulated in this game at Mm. one at all i just didn't feel like that's like the the reviews and i might be the the outlier on this one but everybody's mm-hmm. saying like oh oh it's a revenge murder simulator yeah it's true because that's like the gameplay gamey part of it right that's how you do, how you video gamify it you, you make her kill people you make her yeah. kill clickers in terms of like the the thing of like okay you're fighting like you know the the wlf members and they're crying out for each other's names or like you kill uh one of them and the the dog whimpers like that made me a little sad actually but like for the most part i didn't feel guilty about it because that's the point of the game you're supposed to fucking kill people mm-hmm. so like I, I didn't feel that so much i did feel regret and remorse more in the the linear character driven parts uh yeah. the more like you know press x to fucking you know murder nora do all that sort of stuff but um yeah as a whole i didn't feel like pressed on my morality like it's just it's the world it's just mm-hmm. how it's gonna be so yeah I think that a lot of times it was like, um, I, I think some people had a problem with the lack of agency in the game because it's like Naughty Dog made the choice to make you play certain sequences where mm-hmm. you're like pressing X to choke somebody out or punch them in the fucking face. Like, you know, with Abby and Ellie, for instance. But at the same time, it's like, well, this was always going to happen mm-hmm. whether it was a cutscene or not. And I, I I do have to wonder about the choice where it's like, I get that the, you know, from a player immersion standpoint, you want me to make me feel that. But it's like, as a player, like, I disagree with Abby fucking smashing in ellie's face you know so some of it feels like a little artificial whereas it's like hey you didn't have me play as abby beating in joel's head Mm -hmm. because you knew players would be fucked up about that why is it okay like when you're doing with ellie you know it's like sometimes there isn't consistent uh choices not to throw the word ludo narrative dissonance anywhere where it's like there is kind of um i think that has been a criticism from like well you know she killed 400 people but then spared one person what's going on with that and i'm just like yeah we can't forget the fact it's a video game mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so what I'm saying? yeah in my my cons list i put illusion of choice um mm. right so there that. is a so there's a few moments in the game where if you're in like a all-out battle with just the enemy faction no one big named is there the last person you're about to kill they give up they mm-hmm. they get on their knees and they put their hands up and you can choose not to kill them and back up, but then they just try to kill you anyway. They don't actually give up. 
for, at least for me, I don't know if they bleed out for other people or if anything happens, but for me, they get back up and they try to kill you. Hmm. So why choose to back away when you just have to go back and then kill them anyway, because that happens. And the same for the ending. That ending was just perfect for let me choose not to hit her anymore because she does give up and just and and kneel where you have to do the whole like QTE choke her under the water. Uh, But you, I feel like you could choose not to do that and you still get the ending that you can get. So Mm -hmm. don't give me the, don't feel, I don't like that it felt like I could have had a choice when I actually didn't. And just let me do what you wanted me to do. Don't try to like. Yeah, think that's kind of where I'm getting. I have at a choice. That. Yeah, the first one kind of did that too at the end with the fireflies, where you're. I think you're always meant to like kill or maim, you know, Abby's dad, but then you can spare the other people in the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to kill her dad. Yeah, but you can spare the other doctors. Yeah, so like, for as mature of a, steli- a storyteller that Naughty Dog is, I feel like these are immature decisions that are holdovers from like even the previous generation of games because again going back to the critique they only learn from themselves and it doesn't feel like they learn from like outside games mm-hmm. or different choices and such so i that I, I feel like if naughty got naughty dog were to progress with another game i really hope that they self-reflect on the fact that mm-hmm. it's like hey dudes if you're gonna tell us a story the way that you want Tell the story the way you want. Don't trick me into thinking mm-hmm. that I'm making a choice. Yeah, because this isn't like Red Dead or, you know, Mass Effect. I'm not playing like, you know, Paragon or Renegade Ellie. Like, she's gonna get on her arc. You're gonna trick mm-hmm. me into thinking I have choice. I don't. And it's just like, why do it then? I I, I know they're trying to like have a continuous arc because they don't want people to have separate endings or separate choices. Oh, like, of course. Like all characters are supposed to die because that's how the cutscenes are written. What happened to your Abby? Oh, well, you see, I never got up on those poles. Like, yeah, yeah no, exactly. It's not gonna so happen. I, I know they're trying to serve a greater arc, but it's just like either do it or don't. Exactly. So. Yeah, yeah. So that, that that's one, one flaw that I would be like, mm, guys, <laughs> get a little better at that, you know? Um, and maybe that would help with people's kind of like immersion with it instead of feeling like, wow, I resent my choices because they weren't choices. That's a good point. But I, okay. So I do actually really like the Santa Barbara part. I yeah. love that. It's so good. I love that whole setting. I mean, I, well, like you guys live in Seattle. I love Santa Barbara in general. Uh, <laughs> Look at Chelsea. Oh, you guys live in suck Addle. I live in West Coast. <laughs> Well, that's Southern California, so, like, I mean, I just visited, but I love that beach city, and that setting is so unique. Mm. Like, you you could say a lot about zombie thrillers or even horror games being set in the daytime and not liking it, but that was great, because it was, like, those rich homes on the beach. and I don't know. Dead Island felt like a proof of concept (laughs) for beach zombies. I love beach zombies. We have to just replay Dead Island again, because I like to remember it. (laughs) Get the gaming fam for that. Yeah, we should get the gaming fam back together. Who do you (laughs) know, bitch? Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, I I like that setting a lot, because it's, like, Seattle, like, while while I said it feels like a hundred different places, it's still, like, you know, it's only bright in its greenness, and otherwise it's just overcast and rainy and misty. Because that's Seattle, that's the Pacific but like you go to uh catalina and santa barbara and it's just like well i guess just santa barbara actually um but it's so bright and warm and it's just like it's beachy and it feels different and it's it's nice so i'm with you on that by the way i i want to here's a big spoiler for everyone that's like kind of nuanced um you know how the title screen changes when you beat the game they got to catalina Mm -hmm. yep they got to catalina (laughs) I love it. Because a lot of people thought that was Santa Barbara. They're like, oh yeah, that's just a Santa Barbara. No, 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 no. Different beach. It's Catalina. Mm-hmm. Different beach. They Fuck, made it. Fucking Abby and Lev going to the Catalina wine mixer. <laughs> I, tear it up. Can I admit that I want that third game? 
I want Kinda, a third yeah. game with Abby and Lev's story mm-hmm. continued in some form or fashion. Uh, I, I just want to see them again. I don't know. Well, like, well I, now I, it feels like it should happen. But then again, knowing Naughty Dog uh, with how they treat The Last of Us, it's like it could be something totally offbeat, totally different. Who knows? I don't know. I feel like they're going to keep doing like Last of Us Part like two, three, like that, not like The Last of Us 2. Like, so I feel like any stories that they tell within this arc is just going to be, again, another companion piece. So I wouldn't put it past them to explore that, like, kind of mystery of, like, did they make it? They obviously did. What did they do there? Because um, it would serve more of the story. It would serve, you know, did they find the fireflies? Mm-hmm. You know, did they come up with the cure? And I, and then even actually, you know, answering the questions of, like, what happened to Ellie at the end of the game? Like, you know, did she go back to Jackson or, you know, where'd she go? I think so. there might be, like, an easy <clears throat> an easy way to, to form a catalyst for part three, mm-hmm. which is you start with Abby, she meets the fireflies, and Abby realizes, yeah, I do happen to know someone who has the only immunity that we know on Earth. Mm-hmm. And it ends up being, like, another dual tale again. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has to find Ellie, and it's, like, in a positive way this time. Right, yeah. which would be very, very odd. Maybe we finally get those conversations and get that catharsis out of, like, you know, what we wanted to see out of the two of them. Or Maybe. or not. I don't know. Actually, I wouldn't be surprised if Last of Us 3 is a much bigger endeavor as well, mm-hmm. where it's like an ensemble cast. Like, this one's kind of an ensemble cast, but it's two two characters at a threshold. I wouldn't be surprised that they try to go for broke and be like, here's four different characters' perspective. If Yakuza could do it, Naughty Dog can do it. Okay? <laughs> right, Chelsea? Yep. They did do that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this is just a random topic, but at first I wanted to know about the Seraphites. I wanted to know who the leader was. I wanted more just depth on it. And they're so interesting with the way they communicate with the whistling and how that's probably a realistic thing that would happen in the apocalypse, like communicating Mm -hmm. by whistling. You know, you whistle to someone and if they don't whistle back, you need to go check on them. At first, I really wanted to know more, but I kind of like that they were this kind of mysterious, just force of people that had just this weird set of ideals that they were just kind of scary. I liked that. I liked that they were like kind of scary and mysterious, and it's just whistling, and it was interesting. I liked that. You, you Don't know find got, a lot a lot. You know what got me was that this game had two opportunities to try to like you know hang its hat on there being a villain. One with Isaac and then one with this leader of the scars that they kept on mentioning Mm -hmm. and referencing and stuff. And then you realize that this person's been dead for a while. Mm -hmm. That was like a total like, wait, what? I thought I was going to meet this person and have her be like, you know, the crazy cult leader. And it was Mm -hmm. like, no, 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 actually, they espoused a lot of good wisdom and a lot of hope. And Levin, Yara talk about how the rest of the Seraphites have totally walked away from those teachings, Mm -hmm. right? That they're, they're going along and they're very vengeful. And it's because of the nature of the fight with the wolves that they've Mm -hmm. had. And I was just like, that's, I like that because it's a realistic, nuanced choice. Because like other games would have been like, you got to fight the the Scar leader. And it's like, no, they're gone. Yeah. They're dead. Yeah. <laughs> but, that, that's interesting too, yeah. to have her be kind of like this martyr and then have these like people kind of just take the teachings and twist it because like they're in unusual circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> and they've been warring for so long. You, you almost get the sense that some of them have forgot why they've been fighting this entire time. Yeah. Well, I guess that's maybe history and religion as a whole too. <laughs> so... But I, yeah, I, I wanted them to go harder on all that, but I actually, I'm okay that it's a little measured. I like getting to explore their, their set pieces a lot. The fact that like, you know, Lev and their people, they have like catwalks above the skyscrapers, which is really neat. It was such a cool part. <laughs> and like, yeah. as you go further and further up, you see more of like 
their set dressings that isn't just like the you know the wolves or or just seattle so mm-hmm. i thought that was really neat and special and then the island too i, I really like that um yeah the I, I, the haven right yeah new haven haven was such a cool part did, did you guys like kind of feel weird about parts of it because like i liked um getting there obviously and exploring it but like i didn't want to do the same like seattle open worldy shit where i'm like scavenging the the parts where like they kind of like pipeline some of the the gameplay like the horseback ride through like the main island i thought that was really cool i didn't want to like have to like walk through every hut through that area yeah it was kind of uneven but i I like the set piece as a whole I did like the the kind of like I don't know what to call them, but forced chase scenes mm-hmm. where your 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 sole purpose is to just run away and hopefully mm-hmm. you do it the right way. Uh, I did like that. That was different and and scary and tense. I did like that a lot. Are we surprised that Naughty Dog, who has made all the Crash Bandicoot games, where all you do it's the whole game is a chase sequence? That's true. Does good chase sequences? Actually, I never thought about it like that. Like this is the evolution of the the Crash Bandicoot chase. I hate scene. I hate the fact that Naughty Dog's entire career has just been Naughty Dog trying to one up themselves. <laughs> Not even any other developers. They're like fuck other. De- I've never even played other games. Yeah. it's just Naughty Dog games. <laughs> I like too that they did it with the infected in the hospital where that was kind of like a nemesis yeah. chase almost. God, what am I even saying, dog? <laughs> fucking sh- th- that the part alone, like that t- fucking fifteen minute part, embarrassed Resident Evil Three, mm-hmm. embarrassed its ass. Capcom, <laughs> are you fucking joking? Play that game and weep, <laughs> and then come back to me with a nemesis that makes sense. <laughs> Could I say one thing I really liked about Abby? Because yes. I want people to know that I liked Abby. Say whatever you want. Uh, this is your, your place to talk. I, these people that think you hate Abby, I'll beat them up. I'll get fucking internet. real buff like Abby did. Which, by the way, I love the fact that she became a machine to go after. <laughs> yeah. What, what is her workout plan? I love right. it. Oh, games. <laughs> She's out there eating dogs and just fucking <laughs> bench pressing Owen every night. dogs and benching cars. <laughs> no. But, like, I love the fact that she realized, like, yo, Joel literally dismantled the entire Salt Lake City firefly branch by himself i need to get better than that fucking vicious terminator that's crazy but yeah go ahead go ahead chelsea one of my favorite little character things in the writing was that abby was afraid of heights yeah and it was so her vertigo like i love that whole sequence with just when you start with lev and you're trying to get to the hospital with all the bridges across the skyscrapers and her not being okay with it and it being fucking terrifying because some of those little narrow things she had to get through like yeah anyone would be like what the fuck no <laughs> like i loved it she was so relatable there because it is scary and i loved that she's not infallible she's i think relatable i think laura ba- bailey did a really great job at like kind of bringing that character to life like mm-hmm. she's a phenomenal like you know mo capper and voice actress so kudos to her like she really killed that performance for sure she is top tier yeah and i like too how they kind of preface that scene in a flashback with owen and her at the at the ferris wheel um and how she's just scared Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't know it's it's subtle character building that goes a long way um and making them human yes naughty dog is good at that naughty dog is good at that Mm. (laughs) you know i appreciate the sharks included also just as a side there's a lot of sharks that is true you you got to say your dinosaur thing i get to say my shark thing go ahead say your shark thing (laughs) no i'm just happy i got to see some sharks yo yo naughty dog we've been missing some sharks (laughs) yeah make a shark game for a while we we need a shark dinosaur game oh (laughs) what why can't you just take like the similar mechanics of uncharted and just like 
I don't want to kill bad dudes anymore. No more Ludo narrative killing. Make me fight dinosaurs. But then we feel bad at the end because the dinosaurs were actually good guys the entire time. You're the bad guy. <laughs> Naughty dogs to rock. It's like I am legend, but with dinosaurs. <laughs> it'd be great i'm telling you i i do like that this game like with all of its heart and and flashbacks and everything um i say this a lot and i'll say it a hundred times over this game has like 50 giraffe scenes um that are just really warm and sweet like some of them almost feel like i I get naughty dog trying to kind of like have to one-up themselves with a lot of what they did some of it feels kind of like too much like the scene with the seals i'm like all right we already got a scene with you with the zebra abby we don't need a seal scene with you and kissing seals um but but i do like that they try and kind of have these like really like toned down warm moments like wherever they can it's 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 pretty great um and a lot of them happen in the museum too um my favorite part that we didn't really talk about is like her getting in the space shuttle and like closing her eyes and listening to the tape and and like that's Mm -hmm. been a dream of hers like forever to be an astronaut and go to space and that's such a cool payoff as like a player and a lover of that character Um, and also a complete um uh, evolution of what they did in Left Behind mm, when she pretended to play an arcade game and Riley described it all to her. Oh yeah, like Joel set that up perfectly in the same way, and I was just like, dude, so much of this game is literally like a twenty-five hour Left Behind. Yeah. is how I felt. I was like, that's so interesting that that instead of using part one as the basis for what they wanted to do, mm-hmm. they're like Left Behind is the basis of how we want to like go forward. But no DLC for this game. No, nope. which is not nope. surprising since the game is like three games in one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i'm sure with all the attrition they suffered and like you know the the whole shape-shifting nature of like you know bruce straley leaving and all this other stuff it's like they probably need to take some time back and work on something else and i know the factions like multiplayer mode is supposed to happen at some point but like they don't know when <laughs> i don't need naughty dog to try to follow this up with another prestige game Mm-mm. that's what this feels like and i think that's what they thought that they their signature style became which is like we need to make uh a prestige games that morph not just the genre, but how we think of games, and I feel like that's that's a that's a hard thing to try to do over and over again, and has led to the discussions that we've heard about the crunch culture and and people staying there and breaking their backs, um, and especially junior members working on the game and held to the same expectations of people that are complete veterans, uh, old dogs, if mm-hmm. you will, at that company. And it, it, it's a vicious thing that I just do not think is sustainable. I love this game, but I realize there was a high amount of effort and pain to make this game. And I'm just like, is it worth it? Like, I'm okay with Naughty Dog making a smaller game going forward. Like, their next, like whatever they make next doesn't have to be another, like, stop the presses. The world needs to take a collective breath and gain way for Naughty... No, man, just make a fucking game. It feels inevitable, though. I don't know, like, they're going to have this big follow-up to Uncharted 4. That's always going to be their destiny, yeah. right? Like that's I, I, I just have to wonder when when is that going to fucking crash against the wall? I don't know. How do you feel about that, Chelsea? Because like I feel like we 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 have a lot of discussions about like how magnificent this uh this game is, and other people are calling it a masterpiece. And I feel like that kind of conversation sweeps uh, aside the very real human cost it takes to make a production of this scale. I guess my only thought on that is. Even if they were to go small game, no one would be happy with that because they do expect these giant moving set pieces that feel like movies, but you get to play them and their quality and they they blow your mind. So if they try to go small, I don't know what the reception would be. I, I feel mm-hmm. like they would try to make something to be on the same shelf as 
The Last of Us and Uncharted because that just seems natural for them that they would take years to make the next whatever set piece type game genre whatever I just don't see them going small or putting mm-hmm. that much attention on something small at least and it almost feels so like that I... no go ahead sorry no I didn't have anything to say uh, I was just gonna say it almost feels like kind of endemic of what happens at Rockstar, where it's like I don't think they're ever gonna get to put out a small GTA or a small Red Dead. Like it's always gonna be like, okay, how do we? Same with CD Projekt Red. Like we always have to up our last outing, mm-hmm. um, and that's dangerous. <laughs> um, I don't know, but it because it comes at a cost of the people working on it. Obviously, I don't know. I think it's okay as a consumer to maybe want less. Video games don't always need to be this like forty hour to sixty hour thing. Um, there's there are golden eggs and smaller experiences. And I like those a lot too. And I don't think if they delivered something shorter that that would hurt their pedigree. Um, but I think it's also like you move forward in the next gen, you're a triple A developer, you're a naughty dog. Like, I, yeah, I think themselves, they're going to keep holding themselves to the standard. And I, I, I hope they do it with introspection and change their work philosophies going forward. That's all. Right. <clears throat> I mean, my greatest hope for next gen is that the tools are so sharp that it's just easier to deliver these experiences, not that they're more complicated, not that they're more time consuming to, to you know, make sure that shit is showing up in 8K when only like, what, fucking 3% of your audience <laughs> even has a TV capable of, of that output and the, all that. Like, I, I really do wonder what 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 does next gen look like for, for Naughty Dog? <sighs> There's a lot of controversy and a lot of pain that surrounds this game. I think we finally hit a Naughty Dog game where just because the game is very good doesn't overshadow all of those problems that got us there you know so i i I really do have to wonder it's like are they having an internal rethink you know or are they just kind of like well you know if you don't like it get out of here you know that kind of shit like i feel like that's that's old guard mentality i want to know that the people working on these projects are passionate but they're not fucking splaying themselves to bring it to me i always say that about these big AAA games, right? But is that just always going to be a dog-eat-dog kind of mentality, a naughty dog-eat-dog mentality of, of like, well, you'll never get a prestige game without prestige suffering? <laughs> and then it's like, okay, well, maybe you guys didn't uh, pay attention to the, the point of The Last of Us Part Two of how violent acts <laughs> just beget more violent acts. You're suffering to make this prestige just continues the cycle of, okay, wow, you really topped yourselves, naughty dog. Do it again. Mm-hmm. You know, like Chelsea said, the gamer's always going to want that, right? But when do you say to yourselves, that ain't worth it? And in fact, this game would make me feel like, wow, we really shouldn't go out of our way to do this kind of thing. Because look, all they do is fucking post spoilers, talk about how they hate LGBTQ, how they think uh, we're dog shit storytellers, how we disrespected them, how they have a petition out to remake part two because they didn't like creative choices that we made. Why did we go through six years of this to end on that result? The conversation with Last of Us Part Two will always be synonymous with that toxicity. It's it's very parallel to like what we saw with like the Last Jedi. Um, we have yeah, characters yeah. who are just so torn. It's it's like fifty fifty split, and then you have people just spoiling it and leaking and petitioning for a a different ending. And it's just like you got what you got. Just be happy with it. Like they put so much time and love into this. Nobody loves these characters more than you know Neil. Ashley and and Troy <laughs> and you know they they made this happen because it was their vision and they wouldn't have told this way if they didn't feel compelled to or if it wasn't the right story to tell. Also, I I kind of hate that similar to like what happened with Kelly and Marie Tran that like um for Abby's for Abby's portrayal that like Laura Bailey is getting hate 
Like, people are fucking, like, you know, getting into her DMs and sending her, like, really fucking vicious, like, hate mail. And it's just like, why? <laughs> like, why? just because she played a character who killed somebody you like, get over it. It's a video game. Hey, that person you liked uh, wasn't real. Exactly. Like, to well, begin with. It's, it's, <laughs> it breaks my brain because I could yeah. never act that way, so I don't understand what compels people to do that. But, you know, right. I'll welcome the conversation with somebody who would be able to approach it, you know? Any thoughts in that regard, Chelsea? No, I agree. I I don't agree with anything of these petitions or like going after the voice actors or the creators and demanding something that isn't going to happen and it wouldn't change anything because the first thing still exists. I don't I don't like that. I get not being happy about it, but there's no reason to be violent or volatile or just a part of the internet. I don't. Oh, you're cutting out a little bit. Yeah, again. we lost you, Chelsea. I don't know. What... Yeah, do you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I hear you. We lost you a little bit. You, you were saying that was a part of the internet that... I didn't like. And that was... and we lost I didn't you. like that part of the internet. Oh my god! <laughs> Discord yeah. calls. Yeah, fucking Discord. Um, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. That's no, okay. That's awesome. I think I think to round this off, I think we, we get to the, um, the scoring part of the review, my friends. Ah. <laughs> we have to put a number on it? A numerical value on the 10-point scale, or you could use my alternative method of what is your favorite Aliens film. Is this Aliens? Is this Alien? Is it Alien 3? Yeah. Is it Alien Nobody ever used that grading scale. <laughs> I don't know. It was a thing. <laughs> is it AVP? Is it, <laughs> is it Covenant? <laughs> oh, oh, that's vicious. Um, yeah, I think we could all give our individual scores and then give the, is it a save room good or great? You know, would we recommend it? That's kind of it. Mm -hmm. But Chelsea, what would you, as as a complete package, what would you kind of rate this game? So I've jumped everywhere. I think in my scoring, even though I don't like number and I don't like number scoring and I don't like reviewing in that way, but, uh, I started off with a 7.5, then I went to 7.7, went up a little bit, but now I think I feel good giving it just a solid eight. I still recommend it. I still think I didn't need a sequel, but because there is a sequel, I wanted to play it. And I still really like the story. And it is necessary when you do play it because you're getting really cool story aspects and insight. There's flaws that don't ruin it for anyone else except just me, just just me playing. And I, I felt those things personally, but other people didn't. Like there's pacing issues and there's like a lack of being disinterested in a couple of the characters in one arc. Mm-hmm. And... You know, gameplay is kind of just the gameplay. It's never been my favorite, so it's just the same there. But, like, the story is great, and, like, the the relationships and the character building and just being people that aren't great, it's different. And I like not rooting for them and also rooting for them. So I'm a, I'm a solid 8 out of 10. <laughs> I love those flashbacks. <laughs> Good old flashbacks. <laughs> no, no, those are fair criticisms, especially as somebody who, like yourself, has loved the, the franchise since it its inception so i mean these come you played the game you know you, you took it as it is the thing about art is it's subjective so like you know one person's eight is another person's 10 is another person's five and like that's totally cool like i don't know what's yours um i don't think it's a 10 out of a 10 unfortunately i think it's it is the this is gonna be such a contradictory statement i think it might be like the perfect sequel in a lot of ways but i don't think it's the perfect game um it it does have a lot of pacing issues um i i like a lot of what it built off the first one in terms of the like 
Chelsea said the flashbacks that drives it up way hard for me because uh, those moments are fucking amazing and they're all they all feel really different and sentimental and there's payoff in between them too even like thinking about the museum scene and then four years later going through um, Joel's room kind of as a memoriam and seeing like you know his little an idiot's guide to space that he got so he can help understand outer space so he can talk to Ellie about it. Like those little character building things that are just so important that other developers don't pay attention to. I love, um, I think mechanically it feels great. Um, there's a lot of things that are quality of life improvements in terms of, you know, the sneaking, going prone, diving, um, vaulting, all that stuff feels really great. Again, it's like Naughty Dog games don't feel perfect. You know, I don't feel like I'm playing, you know, like I'm playing Bloodborne or God of War, but like that crunch is still there. The feedback's good and it feels great no matter what weapons you're using. Um, the environments, the settings, the music, the music kills it for me. Uh, I think the sound design is second to none and the way they use music as a kind of theme of remembrance and moving on and also remembering those you loved and getting closure with, with, with things like that. I think that's really powerful. And I, I think it's, it's challenging for a game like this to put it out there when other games aren't. Um, but I love it. It's vulnerable and it's special, but yeah, I would put it at for me, probably like a, like somewhere between a nine and a 9.5. As much as I love sitting down with it, I didn't always have fun with it. And that's the point. It's like, this is hard to swallow media. It hurts. Um, it's introspective and thoughtful, and not all of it you're gonna agree with. And I think that's part of its its strength. Um, but I, yeah, I, I there were points where I, I dreaded going back to the controller because I'm like, you're really gonna make me do this shit. But you know, again, it's all deliberate, and I, I applaud them for taking the risk on it. Um, but pacing issues hurt it, and um, I I also think it's just kind of a weak um, sometimes imitation of the first one, where it's like, although I love the draft scenes and I love the seasons. It's like they could have done anything to do different format for it rather than try and mimic what the first one did, you know, but mm-hmm. that's just me. Yeah. I got you. It's a motherfucking 10 <laughs> in old Kevin's book. I knew it. <laughs> um, what's so funny is like, I agree with your criticisms, but again, like I said, like it, it just doesn't hurt it enough for me to be like, eh, this mm. is a worse product or I don't like it as much as part one. I like this one way more than part one, mm-hmm. and that's crazy to me because I think part one is a perfect game. That I don't, And that's the thing. I don't think this game is perfect, and that's why I fucking love it. The best comparison, and nobody gets this, maybe except for Daniel, is that uh, Nine Inch Nails, the band Nine Inch Nails, everybody knows them for one album called The Downward Spiral that came out in 1995. They had Closer, Wanna Fuck You Like an Animal. Yeah, everyone knows that song. But in 1999, they came out with a double album called The Fragile. And The Fragile is a much more complicated beast. It's lar- It's a. It's longer, obviously. It's a double album. And it's imperfect because Trent Reznor went out of his way to choose instruments like violins and stringed instruments that sound imperfect by nature. They're not mechanical. They're not, they're not industrial music like his original album. They come from uh, a place where it is who is affecting it that makes a different result. No two people can pick up a string instrument and make the same sound is kind of like hmm. what the point of it was, right? And The Last of Us Part Two is no two people that play this game could come up with the same interpretation. They have different takeaways from it. Whereas I felt like the first game, everyone was kind of aligned on like, this is what's good and great, right? Like, God, that, that really landed its story. I love Joel. Ellie's so funny. Mm-hmm. In part two, people have different takeaways because it is complicated. Naughty Dog did go out of their way to say, here are these beloved characters. Here's this original game that everyone thinks is sacred ground. How do you go, how do you go up from there without, well, honestly being derivative? And they didn't. They went a different direction. They did something else. Uh, and they did something painful. And 
in that pain, there's honesty. There's honesty to those characters. Rather than placating and giving, you know, aiming for the cheap seats and going like, here's some Ellie jokes and pun books and more giraffe scenes and such like that. They went for something that's really hard to digest in some elements and other elements that really makes you feel conflicted. And I think it's brilliant for those reasons. I think it's it, it, it's an incredible risk for a AAA game. Uh, and I think we're seeing that in its response where people are just like, what the fuck is this? And I think um, people are confusing challenging storytelling with bad storytelling. Hmm. And again, that just shows me that this industry, it's still pretty young, right? It has a long way to go for if this game is challenging to you, oh, fuck. <laughs> you know? I'm just like, yo, other mediums have already tried this kind of story and have had successful ways with it, right? I fell in love with the characters. I really enjoyed Abby's quest. I really enjoyed uh, how it's juxtaposed against Ellie's narrative. I really enjoyed the world itself. I, and, I, and I enjoyed that at the end of it all, at the end of it all, it still made its point, even if it was a mess to get there in some elements or that it hurt to get there. And I respect this game far more because of that. <laughs> and that's why I'm just like, yo, like I, I, I'm thinking about it every day. Like, I'm still thinking about this game going like, oh, wow, that's an interesting scene. Or, oh, wow, they really did go a direction with that. So, yeah. And maybe, maybe that's a, still, like, you know, the close impact of the title, having just beat it, that is giving me that kind of, like, wow factor to it. Maybe I'll feel differently in a while, right? I always think about Bioshock Infinite, about how much I loved that game when I first played it. And now I'm just like, oh, it was okay. <laughs> you know? There may be a day where I look back at Last of Us Part Two and be like, yeah, yeah, Abby's part wasn't that great compared to Ellie's or something like that, right? That might change one day, but right now, I love this game. I really, really do. So there you go. The Last of Us Part Two. Wow. Any closing thoughts otherwise, guys? I know we kind of had a lot. We, we said a lot of words lot. about this game, and I feel like we're just going to continue, like you said earlier, to spill on further episodes. And I'm sure our Game of the Year episode is going to be contentious when this one comes up, too. But um, yeah, any other standout things or things you guys want to say? Or, or maybe like what you'd like to see Naughty Dog do. Um, I think this game's interesting on top of all this because, like, we're getting an HBO series for yeah. The Last of Us, and I wonder how a lot of those stories are going to be, like, kind of pantomime from what we saw in the games already. Um, it's sold 4 million games. Yeah. Uh, in, the, in the, what, the first week, is it? Like, yeah, it it's supposed to be every like... other exclusive out of the water by, like, a million. Yep, fastest-selling Sony exclusive, like, this generation. Mm-hmm. like that's that's something and i was just i just want to bring that up because a lot of people were like this is this is gonna fail it's gonna fail it didn't but yeah that's my that's i just want to bring that up because a lot of people are going after people online and and not liking what they're saying whether you don't like that they hated it or you don't like that they loved it or mm-hmm. for me an eight out of ten which is still good in my yeah. opinion it's still like a great game there's just little things that didn't work for me and i still got the flack for it so like the internet stuff is just we we hope having you on the episode and being amongst our circle you get no hate because this is safe haven for gaming news and discussion if people want to fucking fuck you up over <laughs> that's it, what we'll, i've heard <laughs> we will we will come at them hard <laughs> i mean with golf clubs mainly because nobody uh knows that this uh <laughs> nobody program exists <laughs> nobody knows that our opinions will be uh yeah. housed on this but yeah <laughs> they will find our our podcast in a, yeah. a museum in wyoming buried amongst the rubble one day <laughs> yeah I, I i just think it's egregious because it's like very simply if you don't like something why engage or continue to inflate hate or try to take the vacuum and fucking suck the oxygen out of the room for people that do enjoy it. Like, I, I don't I don't quite understand why it's like, 
we need to make a stance. Like, what, what, what do you want? Like, what are you actually asking for? That all games directly hit what you like about them? Or are you yes. just trying to say that you just dislike that other people have different preferences? Like, what what like, what like are we really getting at? Yeah. And why is it enough to make you so mad that you need to jump into, like, you know, somebody being positive about it in their fucking menchies mm-hmm. and tear them down for it? Like, why is that okay? Some of it, like, supersedes, like, normal just trolling. None of it's productive conversation. And I I look at the example of what happened with Alana Pierce, where she was streaming it, and people were getting in the chat and spoiling it, and then sending her death threats, and just being really fucked up about it for no reason, just because she's playing a game. Yeah. Like, you're just playing, like... (laughs) I just don't understand it. Like we're not those type of people, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was having a conversation with um, someone I know on Twitter, mutual about it, and he was like, "Oh, I didn't think it was like this. I thought it was just people just kind of being like, you know, haha, funny dicks about." It. I'm like, "No, they're they're spewing vitriol and harassment and death threats over a fucking video game." <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, that's not cool." And I'm like, "No, it isn't." <laughs> and if you if you guys think that that is cool, well, I'm sorry, <laughs> it isn't. I mean, I will say, this is definitely the first game I have ever felt uncomfortable talking about. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. This is the first time I've ever went like, oh, I don't know how much I want to talk about it anymore. But, you know, I'm not that scared. But, it, it, yeah, this game brought out something different in a lot of people for me. I have to wonder, is it the times? Is it, like, what's going on where people are just, like, going to the extreme with everything? Because, like, everything feels so urgent and pressing and desolate and shit so it's like hey i don't like something i fucking hate something actually mm-hmm. I, I like what why are you going to the 11th degree they here? got the covid crazies yeah man i don't know i don't know, I don't know but this is the first time for me like it's a new experience and like i'm not that upset about it but it's definitely my first time experience uh yeah mm. you know you know that stuff yeah i i heard you you talking about that and it it bothered me um and i I asked you first and then Kevin followed up with it to be on the episode even before I knew that. And it didn't sway me. I just wanted to make sure you were comfortable with it. Like, you know, talking about these, these simple video game opinions on air. (laughs) Um, But like, I felt like you were just somebody integral and essential to have in this conversation, knowing your love for it and knowing that your criticisms don't come from a trolling place, but from a place of love because you love Naughty Dog and you love this game and it it means something more to you. But yeah. Yeah. That's my, that's my last word on it. Just like, you know, it's sold a lot. The outcry did nothing, and let's just try to be a little bit more, you know, if anyone's listening, just be a little nicer and a little more respectful towards just simple opinion. It's okay, guys. It really is. <laughs> like, people have differences of opinion, and it's okay to be like, oh, okay, yeah, you didn't dig on it? Cool. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no reason to be like, all right, now it's time to debate you into the ground until I make you feel wrong and foolish about your opinion in the first place. Why? What gratification are you getting? And how... How is this not an echo of what the themes of this game are? <laughs> the divisiveness between two people that are, you will say, I am never going to forgive you for something. Mm-hmm. Right? How do you, like, are, are you kind of missing the fucking point? I think so. <laughs> it's just, you know, a little bit of irony right there. But, you know, and I, I'm getting so tired of having to just shrug and be like, that's how people are. That's how gamers are. It shouldn't be that way. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, games are... It's a big, larger community that has smaller communities where we support different things and different interests. The key thing to celebrate there is difference. Would you like everything to be the same? Would you like everything to be the same? Bland, like, algorithm for how a game should be good and how to appeal to the widest uh, possible audience? I don't think the answer is yes, but that's what you're kind of, like, poking the bear to, to say. You're making... 
And you're making it hard for the creators to want to create. The thing that broke my heart the most is on, on one of these hate posts on Twitter, I saw Corey Balrog, uh, director of God of War, jump in and just like he, oh, it was in reference to the remake petition. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, it's a real wonder why anyone would make anything these days. That is where you have your creators that you apparently so adore that they're just like, I don't want to make anything for you anymore. Because they, you're screaming at me that we don't respect you for some reason, and yet you're screaming at me. Mm-hmm. What creators are fucking barging into your DMs and calling you a fucking asshole for not loving their game? But it's okay when the opposite happens. You can call them a fucking asshole and send him death thro- threats because you didn't like playing as Abby. Mm-hmm. How about you just don't buy the game? Why is any other answer unacceptable? That's it on that subject. Well, it's like the people who are going to go on these tirades aren't even playing the game anyway. <laughs> that's the other part, too. That's Same so with the review bombers. Like, the people who are going in hard and review bombing it. It's been, like, five, ten hours since the game came out. You didn't finish it. You don't know what, yeah. what it's really about. You saw an out-of-context spoiler. Or, like I said earlier, you hate Neil Cuckman's agenda. Um, or the fact that they wanted some representation in it. Have real criticisms for the game. Have real criticisms for the art you love. Don't just blindly go and hating it just because you have nothing better to do to do with your time and also this isn't going to be mass effect 3 we're not going to get a fucking different ending at the end where you fucking get to make a different choice so shut the fuck up (laughs) so (laughs) no they want the whole game remade yeah i don't care they want joel there they didn't even remake that game like the the ending was still there yeah exactly (laughs) it was still three choices they just added a party dlc (laughs) Uh, but yeah i i think that's it last of us part two a lot of emotions, a lot of, a lot of goodness from there, and I'm, I'm going to give it another playthrough, for sure. Oh yeah, I'm working on my, my second playthrough right now. Um, do you feel inclined, Chelsea, to like play it anytime soon again, or like get the platinum for it? Not the platinum, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I do want to play it again. Like, a, like Just having the context of that last cutscene makes me want to play it with a new set of eyes, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny because like it starts to like actually reward yourself immediately. I was I think I talked to you guys about this where it's like Abby has nightmares every night about walking through the Firefly Hospital and finding her father dead. And when you see her in that first scene in uh, Jackson in the the cabin where they're kind of like hunting Joel's party, she wakes up, she's grinding her teeth, and it, like she kind of just woke up from a nightmare. And it means nothing then, but then to have the context of her character later, it means so much more. Um, so the the replay is super special because you catch details like that you didn't fucking catch before. Also, one detail I caught is um, this is a stupid detail, but so they go to Joel's tombstone, right? And it's got his name carved in it and all this stuff and all these flowers. Who the fuck is out there making tombstones? Like, who's out there, like, supporting, like, the grave-making uh, industry and still doing that work out there? Hey, man, you got, you got to, you still need Black tombstones. Blacksmith? Yeah. Stone, stonesmith? Masonry? Stonesmith. Yeah, I don't, I don't they're, know. They're in, they're in, what, what state? They're, they're in uh, State, Wyoming. is it? Yeah. Wyoming? Yo, they're Wyoming is rock. the capital of headstones. <laughs> tons of rock. Tons, tons of rock that needs engraving. A hundred percent of headstones in the world come from Wyoming. You didn't know that? That's a fact. That's a true fact. Naughty Dog knew that. <laughs> Naughty Dog <laughs> How did I do that? I mean, I don't want them to bury Joel in a fucking shoebox, but like, you know. <laughs> it, it just made me laugh when I was like standing at the grave today. And I'm like, who made this? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think it's time to put this one to bed, mm-hmm. y'all. 
yeah, I, I want to give Chelsea, thank you for, you know, being here. A special shout out to you for being awesome and being a cool part of our community, helping us grow our, you know, style and, and giving us suggestive feedback. And I would definitely love to have like you on. Suggestive on. feedback. <laughs> that came out wrong. Yeah. I just want to point that out. I just want to thank you for the suggestive feedback. Um, but I, I would like to have you on, on more content for sure down the line because you, you definitely stream a lot with Kevin over at twitch.tv slash the red herb and me here and there on, wow. on twitch.tv slash dungeons and daniels but like we need you on more podcasts and we need you to talk yakuza with us we need like a whole like I, yakuza beat down spoiler cast or something with you <laughs> i would gladly do yakuza spoiler cast with you guys <laughs> the the drunk kuza spoiler cast yeah you have me whenever i'm free forever free okay. forever i don't go outside <laughs> well where where can the people find you chelsea if, if you wanted to be found <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at Chelsea Heckabad, and also that's it. Okay, that's it. That's where I am. Oh, I that's it. maybe I maybe I write some articles on mm. uh, Chelsea Heckabad dot water dot blog. <laughs> I don't sound so bad. Show her some love there, because like we we want to make sure she doesn't shudder the shite. Uh, shudder the shite. <laughs> Go ahead. Wow. I can't say it. It's it's hard. The S is again. <laughs> We want to make sure she doesn't shudder the site prematurely uh, and keeps getting her reviews out there. Chelsea, I hope you don't shudder that shite either. <laughs> no, I hit a milestone over there. I can't do that. Yeah. Nice. Your, your, um, your Final Fantasy VII remake review was, was pretty fun to read and your Yakuza impressions as well. Um, so I appreciate those. So keep doing that. Thank you. Jeez. Gonna Aww. cry. Do it. Cry for us. <laughs> Alrighty, guys. Well, thank you. This has been The Save Room. Reviews The Last of Us Part 2. It's a pretty fucking good game. And I gotta tell you, can't be for nothing. Oh. oh. Take on me. I love that song. <laughs> Have a great night, guys. If I ever surely lose myself everything i have found here i'm not found by myself try and sometimes you'll succeed to make this pain of me all my stolen missing parts i've no need for anymore I and I believe Cause I can see Our future days Days of you and 